Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Yeah, man. You can talk all about how I messed up the countdowns at the beginning of the podcast all you want, Marcus, but I'm going to tell you what. You know what I learned from my readings this week? What's that? Y'all ain't fucking real. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah, no man. one is real. That's what you want to tell them? Again. Unfortunately, dude, I think, and this just comes from reading a lot this week, uh-huh. reading a lot and waiting for deliveries a lot this week. Um, y'all ain't real. I made you up. I'm the only one that's real. Interesting take on this, Henry Zabrowski. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the last <laughs> podcast on the left. I am Ben staring at the very real Marcus Parks. I am real. And the man, Mar- uh, Henry Zabrowski, over there in Los Angeles. I'm glad I'm making y'all say you're real. Just <laughs> well, we push are back real. against People me. I real. guess it's nice to be a part of that, I guess. But there, there's something about, like, when you start reading into esoteric Buddhism, I had a friend growing up, my old my, my buddy, Jeff Nitzberg, who listens to the show, was going, I'm proud. His father was a very uh, intense Buddhist, but what I found out is that getting deep into esoteric Buddhism just makes you not care about your son's art. (laughs) Absolutely. How can you be an intense Buddhist? I thought the whole point was lack of intensity. Oh, you're about to find out, my friend, in the next next two weeks, (laughs) that Buddhism can actually be kind of weaponized. Whoa! In a fun way. I don't mess with the monks. They'll kill your ass. Uh, And please, if you are out there tripping on acid right now and you are wondering if you are indeed real, you are. So don't go run into traffic. Don't get naked and run around like you're one of the Coney 2020 guys or 2012 guys. Don't listen to that figment of your and my collective imagination. He is not real. You are, in fact, not real. You are real. Go for it, buddy. And you know you get... Put a DiGiorno in the oven and eat it. <laughs> I created everything that's good and that's bad. I'm sorry for COVID, um, but you're welcome for Shamrock Shakes. I have wow. done it all, so I can't believe how creative I am. Oh, that's just brilliant. All right, well, why the hell are we even talking about all this? Because this topic, uh, I this is going to be a doozy, I guess. It's going to be a doozy, yeah. I can see in the eyes of Marcus, he looks as if he just drove by a car crash that involved all of his friends and they're dead. His <laughs> eyes are shook. I can see the brain has been wobbly this week. We are talking Madame Blavatsky. Because I don't know how else to say her name because I'm from Wisconsin and Madame Blavatsky is just the girl at the bar that has sex with everyone. That is... <laughs> 
<laughs> that is Wisconsin logic. All right. This is not a Packers bar. This is the beginning of Western occult thought, Kissel. And doesn't uh, that make you just the most excited you've ever been? I, I'm getting fatter just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, you're going to love this, Ben. It's a hell of an adventure. All right. Madame Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, or as she liked to be called, HPB. HPB? <laughs> Again, wear a condom if you're going to have sex. Uh, it, it's a dangerous world out there. Well, she was a Russian mystic and philosopher whose ideas about the nature of the universe and the origins of mankind have been among the most influential to the 20th century. Her two most well-known books, Isis Unveiled and The Secret Doctrine, are incomprehensible for the most part to hmm. folks such as you or I. <laughs> sure. To all y'all. But the best part about books is that when you read them, you can make all the letters switch around a bunch of different places and make it say whatever the hell it is you want it to say. I just hate nerd confidence. I, I'm just, I can see it oozing through the screen right now, Henry. You are so cocky. It's ridiculous. I'm confused. <laughs> but contained within those pages are the blueprints for modern occultism. You just have to read it like five or six different ways. You got to read it one way like it's all totally, completely fact. You got to read it all again like it's all total horseshit. Then you got to read it again for all the symbolism. Then you got to right. read it again for all the colors that you like. Then you got to read it again to see if you find promo codes deep <laughs> hidden inside of these occult things that can get you free merch. You know what I mean? Get you discounts to places right. like the Soup Plantation now, which is unfortunately closed. It's the only restaurant I could think of. Well, Soup Plantation might be the worst name I've ever heard for a restaurant <laughs> given the history of this country <laughs> no i understand you have to watch it different in with different mindsets very similar to what you watch triple d diners drive-ins and dives uh -huh. you watch it hungry you focus on the food right you watch it full you focus on the jokes <laughs> <laughs> actually it's weirdly that's you're starting to understand an occult lens yeah <laughs> actually i think after like 10 years of doing the show over this episode and jeff the talking mongoose man i think you're starting to get it hey buddy i'm definitely getting <laughs> Something. <laughs> While Blavatsky has a strong reputation for fraudulent behavior, and at times that reputation is entirely deserved, she was also an inspiration to thousands of occult thinkers, some altruistic and some absolutely evil. Ooh. Over the years, quite a few people, including us at times, have blamed Blavatsky for inspiring Nazi occult beliefs, mm. particularly the idea of an Aryan race. Now, admittedly, looking back at old episode outlines, I don't think I ever mentioned Blavatsky's name without immediately mentioning Hitler seconds afterwards. Well, I'm guilty. It's fun to do, in the, <laughs> especially because it's an easy connection because you just see what they do. They did uplift. They took the term Aryan, which was connected to moon-colored race, and said that that was one of the root races that was going to come and save all humankind. It was going to upload us to the next level. But what they didn't say is that, first of all, number one, moon-colored actually means gray. Huh. <laughs> and as we get in later on, because in, well, we know a lot about Nazis. Technically, most of them pretty pink. Yep, that's and very then true. Later on, you discover if you really watch it, the, all the gray people became all the different races because they were put under some form of magical heating lamp. Yeah, I'm not joking. <laughs> you know, people always say, oh, humans, they must have uh, evolved from apes. But I say we evolved from pigs. <laughs> it's a pink people. It's that is fucking incorrect. All right. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that Madame Blavatsky and the idea of an Aryan race 
All that shit was cherry-picked from an entirely different occult thinker who took just the name Aryan and the word race and twisted it to evil purpose. And it was that guy who actually inspired the Nazis. In reality, Blavatsky was one of the secret authors of the 20th century, inspiring the architects who helped build the modern cultural world. People like Aleister Crowley, David Bowie, and any Westerner who's ever done yoga or transcendental meditation. She really? she was one of the main thrusts of bringing the East to the West. People like her, Aleister Crowley, she is a part of that first wave that got us to understand. Because for a while, we had the racist purview that their cultures were primal and that they could not bring anything to Western society. We didn't understand that they were living just as we were living, hmm. just different circumstances at the same time. I mean, these are the people that allow us just to see a window into those worlds. Because a lot of times, those those civilizations work more closed off to visitors than others. And you could see what we're going to go through is to go, what Madame Blavatsky, what HPB had to do in order to, if she did, get inside of these cultures to understand them, it actually took quite a bit of huffing, which was quite a bit for a lady of her exercise ability. This is what I'm saying. That's why she's at the Packers bar boning all the guys after a big win. You mentioned yoga. Does water aerobics count? Because my mom has been loving water aerobics at her retirement home. My mom does a thing too. She goes into the pool. Her big thing, she's like, I do my kicks. She she grabs onto in the pool and she kicks. But that's a great, you know, but I honestly, I don't think... I don't know if the Hindu masters had anything to do with my mom's floaty exercises. <laughs> well, Blavatsky is one of the founders of modern occultism. And while you might not think that would have a large bearing on the average person's life, the cultural influences of occultism on modern society are vast, if subtle. Hmm. Now, while I absolutely believe that Madame Blavatsky did conduct herself in a fraudulent manner at certain points in history... I also believe that she had extraordinary abilities that are difficult to explain away. Okay. She, like so many other people in the paranormal world, had experiences and abilities that were unfortunately subtle. Because, as we know from our study of the supernatural, true paranormal phenomena is rarely, if ever, flamboyant. Half the time it's just your ability to suck air in through your pussy. <laughs> and say it's a ghost. But th and that is a subtle ability. It is. Because you can't see it unless you're really up in there and you can really see the air go in and you maybe throw some glitter up in there to see the air travel. That's right. But what I... We talk about this all the time that paranormal is a very personal thing. And especially people that are quote-unquote adepts or become masters through training, their relationship with the astral world this is what we're kind of involved with mostly in this story is it's quiet and it's introspective and it's very like the idea of moving a cup a couple inches or, or moving a ball right that's what they talk about with like telekinesis experiments all this type of shit right and they move it a slight inch and they're like absolutely fascinating yeah because it's <laughs> difficult to get those shit like it's difficult to hem this down so hbb like all of these people she she talked big talk saying i can do blah 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 blah, blah to get people in the door but then when people start showing up saying okay do it now right it gets really really difficult to do maybe almost impossible and it seems like she's making it up well, you can't demand a miracle from a god. They don't like that. <laughs> well, Blavatsky, in wanting her message heard and, admittedly, wanting recognition for it, 
She juiced the phenomena and created non-existent bridges in order to reach conclusions that people could understand. It's a jump to conclusions, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, though, in the process, some of her followers got a little carried away with the narrative, Mm -hmm. as followers are wont to do, and she either would not or could not stop them until it was far too late. As it always happens, because ideas don't, they, they just, they travel everywhere. They right. just are, they're, they're free. So she goes and she spouts these little seeds and then they grow sometimes into horrible things, sometimes into beautiful things and most often into misdirected things because yeah. you are not, you, you're so far away from the source at this point, wherever she got her knowledge from is now the fucking seventh degree to you. And now you're going to take it and, and do it. In, in other ways and then you're going to corrupt it more unfortunately it seems how it goes with yeah. paranormal training well it reminds me a little bit of ICP in the sense the juggalos <laughs> they didn't create the juggalos the juggalos created themselves yeah and it must have been it, it must have been a kind of a surprise uh, the first few times they saw them actually the juggalos it is that is kind of a, an example of magical thinking I they know. really did create something out of nothing and yes, created a whole society that is now uh, a uh, an organism unto itself it really is think about the power of the symbol of Malenko and the kind of <laughs> yes. respect the respect and intimidation that comes with it wearing the emblem of yeah. the house of Malenko <laughs> it's, it's like entirely true now out of the two books we used for this series, One paints Madame Blavatsky as a misunderstood genius, misunderstood in her time and misunderstood now, but nevertheless in possession of extraordinary gifts. That book is Madame Blavatsky, The Mother of Modern Spirituality by Gary Lockman, who is among the finest occult writers working today. Gary Lockman's great. He was in Blondie. Yeah, he was the original basis of Blondie back oh, when he was called Gary Valentine. No kidding. Yeah, we talk we talk about him getting into fights with Didi Ramon on uh, No Dogs in Space. Awesome, and thank you so much for all the wonderful responses to No Dogs from Space. No Dogs in Space. Yes. Oh my. <laughs> the other book portrays Blavatsky as nothing more than a grumpy toad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your Packers lost. I'll still fuck you though. <laughs> Portray her as a difficult woman who hated other women and conned her way across three continents, leaving a trail of disaffected followers and broken men in her wake. Why can't it be some of one and some of the other? Yeah, I kind of <laughs> like a grumpy toad. Puffin's a grumpy toad. Well, that book is Madame Blavatsky, The Woman Behind the Myth by Marion Mead. And while both books are hoots in their own way, this dichotomy shows the true nature of the Madame Blavatsky story. I wonder what the responses are going to be to this episode, just because how people are divided on HBB and what she brought to the table and who she was as a person. She's got got a fucking, there's something to her. People have sharp reactions to her. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, listening to one story, Blavatsky sounds like a mystical pulp hero, an adventurer who scoured the world searching for ancient knowledge and new ideas about the origins of mankind like an occult Charles Darwin. Cool. Sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The other story, she was just an exceedingly weird fraud, a difficult brat of nobility who chain-smoked cheap tobacco while subsisting on a diet of butter-soaked eggs and fish. Me in college. Yeah, exactly. I I don't... The interesting thing is I respect the former, but I want to hang out with the latter. <laughs> well, that's the thing. She's either a rock and roll mystic who traveled the whole world and broke glass ceilings and fucking lied her way into Tibet and... Con- and 
and willed people under her control and, and materialized things with her mind, or she was an 1830s version of Lindsay Lohan yachting <laughs> her way around Europe and just being like, yeah, I'm going to Asia soon. Thank you, Wormy. <laughs> like, she, she, it's very interesting how people can't pin her, but a part of that was her own creation. Mm-hmm. HBB destroyed her past to whoever Cheek approached. Anybody who asked for any sort of straight answer about where she came from got different shit every time. It's very similar to L. Ron Hubbard. Her mm. and LRH actually share quite a bit. There's something about destroying your past. As someone who's looking forward to becoming some form of spiritual teacher where they believe that if they get rid of the, the anchors... Of all this fucking ugh, family and ugh, like all these friends and all these other fucking careers and all these people who are trying to make me do shit all fucking time. Ugh, when you get rid of them, you're free then right. to be, uh, become and ascend to the silhouette that you see in front of you that you're projecting yourself out to be. And of course, her and L. Ron Hubbard, uh, one thing they definitely share, pant size, which is kind of fun. <laughs> oh, this is where it starts. This I'm going to say right now, HPB is the you need to look up to I mean, I hate it's bad to use the term role model because of what you just said but she's a role model for chubby witches and warlocks everywhere how many times is a little chubby ginger I knew that I would, as a little chubby little redheaded boy, where people were like, oh, you can't. I look at the other goths and I'd be like, oh, I can't be a goth. I can't be a witch. <laughs> it's because I got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shorts on. And, I got, and they all, my belly. I got a belly. I got an uncle's belly, but I'm a tiny boy. But she shows you can be chubby, weird, big eyed, love to Becky. She's, and you could go out there and still be a super powerful warlock, no matter what anybody says about how tiny your feet are compared to the size of your chest. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what we call projecting. <laughs> well, I, I mean, think. that's the funny thing about, like, Madame Blavatsky's detractors is the first thing they always talk about is how overweight she was. Oh, They love talking about how overweight she was. She basically said that they, she can't do any all of the stuff that they, she said that she did. They're like, well, she can't do that. She's big, and it's like, <laughs> hey man, listen, you can be big and hike. Being yes. big don't make you not be able to hike. Absolutely. Being lazy makes you not be able to hike. If you said she was too lazy to do it, I might agree with you. Oh, but absolutely. being too big to hike, man, because sometimes. There's ice cream up a hill. There is. Of course big well, people can hike, and then they can roll down the hill. Well, no. the, I mean, it's the I, difference between hiking and mountain climbing. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's like, hiking is one thing. Yeah, anyone can hike. Anyone can hike. But mountain climbing, like climbing the fucking Kashmir Mountains... That's difficult. And obviously, I am joking. I got winded chasing around a chihuahua this week. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you can do the shit that they maybe said that she did, that crouching tiger, hidden dragon shit, where she could float and jump from tree to tree, which you're going to find out. But they say that that's the kind of shit that HBB could do. And how fun would that be? Scaring all the people saying that you're too big to play the violin. All of a sudden, you float up there and you say, like, I'll show you how many Ghostbusters toys I'll have. And then, oh, then you'll see. Then you'll be, you'll give me some respect. Everything is okay, Henry. You're doing very well. You won. But no matter who Blavatsky was as a person, the fact remains that both her ideas and her public personality have made waves that still ripple through our lives here in the 21st century. There's a reason why we're talking about her 140 years after she died. Mm -hmm. 
Now, when you consider the power Blavatsky had over her closest adherents, it's quite easy to see a different path where HPB became a bona fide cult leader, just like another thinker who went by his initials did a hundred years later. Businessman, forward-thinking <laughs> person who was trying to create a corporation and help people at the very beginning. And then, yeah, do things take left and right turn? Of course they do. But don't they for all of our lives? <laughs> Your LRH apologism is really getting dangerous. <laughs> but Blavatsky was not interested in power, structure, or responsibility. All three things that are necessary to be a cult leader. Mm. Yeah. She was a woman of concepts, entirely uninterested in cults. Now, she was interested in societies, and one could say that a secret society is just another term for a wealthy cult. Hmm. But while she herself was not a cult leader, her ideas were ready-made for cultism. Of course, we have the cherry-picking of history's most dangerous cult, the Nazis, but Blavatsky inspired other cults as well. If you'll remember, Blavatsky's belief system, Theosophy, formed the bedrock of the beliefs of Bonnie Nettles, oh. who, of course, was the co-founder of Heaven's Gate. Yeah, I say, from one woman to another, me, Bonnie Nettles, if I could just hang out with HBB for just a day and we make a couple of knit hats together, um, it would be a more wonderful afternoon, and maybe I'd even think about touching the person. Oh, my... However, like many ideas that lead to cultism, Madame Blavatsky's ideas were, for the most part, not her own. Mm. Theosophy is a patchwork of many different existing religions, borrowing heavily from Hinduism, Buddhism, and a thousand pre-existing sources. Now, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around theosophy as a whole, but what I've seen, I've watched a lot of lectures, and first of all, I have, I can't believe it took me till now. It took till I saw a theosophy lecture that I finally heard the term. You know, there's a lot of people that go about debunking HBB. But I'm going to tell you what, today, I'm going to be bunking HBB. <laughs> I can't believe how long it took to get to this. Is that even a term? I know it's not, but I was just like, yes, I yes, we're bunking for HPB today. <laughs> okay. But theosophy seems to be started... When she arrived and mixed her her Far East teachings with spiritualism, where it started kind of like Scientology, where Scientology offered pragmatic solutions to life problems, right? That we're going to fix your problems with our, like, classes. Like, you're going to show up, and we're going to teach you how to be a better person. Like, pr pragmatically, we're going to give you steps. Where right. theosophy seemed to start as a way to move cups around and create the same things that people were seeing during spiritualist shows, spiritualist performances. I'll go ahead and just call them performances. Sure. And her basically, this is a way you hack that without using spirits because in the end, we were never using spirits at all. We were using our fucking mind soup. Whoa! <laughs> if you do take a whole series of ideas that already exist and create something different out of them, though, it is a unique thought. It is. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, that's what people have been doing from the beginning of time. Yeah. Well, suppose. Yeah, Picasso just made everything flat. Yeah. <laughs> and that was fucking. That's the, uh, technically it's like bad drawing, but like it's good. <laughs> I don't get it. 
Well, supposedly. Well, it's looking at something. From <laughs> I knew that was going to trigger. No, I know, Marcus. <laughs> well, supposedly, Blavatsky learned much of this knowledge from men she referred to as the masters, although it isn't known who the masters really were or if they even actually existed as flesh and blood human beings. And we'll get into the masters pretty deep later in this episode. Cool. But regardless, Blavatsky was one of the main people who brought Buddhist and Hindu ideas and philosophies to the Western world, while also mixing in Atlantis, Lemuria, and the so-called root races, which have nothing to do with race as we think of it. Okay, Lemuria getting brought up again. I yeah. think like we've been talking a lot about Lemuria. We did a whole episode on Lemuria a few yeah. years ago. You know what? It's These things are in every... They, they keep surfacing up again and again. Right. So it keeps going back to HPP. Yeah. No matter what. Like it keeps going back to Crowley. Like, And I also didn't really... We're going to see how many contemporaries she had during this time period. I think that the 1830s to the 1890s in America must have been a fucking fascinating time to be alive not just in america but in europe as well like the entire world seemed to be caught up i mean if you had money then of course i mean it was a time where (laughs) money then it was a lot of fun to move in all these occult circles and all these occult thinkers that were doing some cool shit in this time it was a time when the cops didn't show up your door knocking on it extremely hard being like you can't throw shit out your window back then (laughs) that was just going to the bathroom you would just throw dookie out the window and if it hit somebody that was seven years good luck (laughs) how fun it was to be able to be like the little tchotchke boy who's just like don't get to throw the waste out today mom she's like all right your brother was supposed to do it yesterday but he died she goes and that's got to be fun as a little kid to dump all the shit out that window man simpler times simpler times make europe great again (laughs) although i think it might have been more difficult it was pretty difficult Yeah. yeah Now, as Gary Lockman points out in the introduction to his book, theosophy can seem a little bit soft. It's a little bit new agey. Well, it definitely got there. Yeah. It got super soft. And as it goes, it becomes softer and softer. There's quite a bit of, I'm going to use the term blue hairs that are involved (laughs) deep down. Because it's a specific type of old person. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they're rich and interested, but they can't walk. Right. I hear (laughs) you. But just as a snowflake can turn into an avalanche, so too can something as harmless as astral projection and simple trickery color a century. Hmm. Now, Madame Blavatsky was no fan of biographies concerning herself, and she in fact tried as hard as she could to muddy the waters when it came to where she was from and what she did before she became famous. So it's interesting in the she doesn't want to, to be famous. She wants to be famous. But she doesn't yes. like biographies about her. Yes, she wants to be famous, but she wants to be famous for her ideas. Yeah, she wants fame on her own terms. She wants okay. fame for the character, the the entity that HBB would come. If you see the same thing with LRH, when you take an acronym, when you take your name and you strip it away, you take all the other kind of bullshit, you become something else. She's already doing magical transformation. I think there's a lot of people that, it's a fine line, right, between con man and enchanter. Like, And I think that we're going to see that we're going to come up against this shit again and again and again. But right. she comes from a lot, this, this, she's just one of them. Aleister Crowley was the same. Anton LaVey, LRH, all of these people would kind of create, they would, how do you put it? They would curate 
their past. Mm -hmm. So it was exactly as you wanted it to appear. So it actually backed up the image that you would then see of the person that this character that is trying to sell you a line of thought because you are not going to go and do the readings of the ancient Hindu texts because you are trying to create the slinky. You, know, sure. you have other shit in your mind. You have a, you are trying to live your modern life. You don't have the time to go and read all of these ancient tomes, coalesce everything, create it in a way that maybe you could sort of understand it and deliver it to you. They're doing that, and they know that in order to do that, they also have to create like a pitchman persona that right. can also sell you this version of new reality. And of course, the slinky and silly putty made on accident. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, well. To Madame Blavatsky, her past was not relevant to her message, and therefore superfluous information. And unfortunately, this purposeful obfuscation tended to hurt her credibility while allowing detractors to write their own stories in the most negative lights possible. Mm. People want hard facts for some... There's something about the human mind. We can't live in grays. We can't sit... like they, there's, there's something about it. We, we need to see... The proof we need to see, right. like there's like an we need like an accountant's receipts of every single thing that you do, and I don't know if it, I don't know what it was about the collective unconscious that got it heartbroken at some point that it can't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But nevertheless, we're still gonna try as hard as we can to tell the story of Madame Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. All right. Blavatsky was born Helena Petrovna von Hahn in 1831 in what is now Ukraine. 1831 was a cholera year, and neither the prematurely born Helena nor her mother was expected to survive the birth. Oh. Both lived, but in a moment that seemed to foretell Helena's future, the priest who performed the baptism had his robes accidentally set on fire in the middle of performing the rite. Well, how the hell do you do that? How does that happen? Isn't there a bunch of water involved with baptism? How do you light on fire? It just sounds like the story my dad used to tell about how, because my dad used to, what my mom calls, uh, he used to hang out with what my mom calls uh, bar women, right? <laughs> and at one point, my dad told me the story. He's like, okay, we had this girl who came in. He said that she could do this magical trick where she put down a mirror, right, on the bar. Yeah, of course. After it closed. And you light a bunch of candles, and if you look into the mirror, you become old. Right, and she wanted to tell all of us that she could do this shit. So she goes, she gets the mirror out, she lines up all the candles and sets them on fire, right? She got big hair, big crazy fucking 70s hair, right? Huh. Leans over to look in the mirror, whole hair just burst into fucking flames. <laughs> you just laughing and laughing and laughing, and man, she was fucking bald and burn after that. Yeah, real <laughs> Michael Jackson moment. Not fun at all. Well, furthermore, the timing of Helena's birth had mystical meaning in the old country, as it was said in that area of the world that people born in the seventh month of the year, July, had powers over evil spirits. Ah, uh, yes. That is my birth month. <laughs> July 21st. I'm a cancer Leo cusp. Henry, poop yourself. Oh, no! <laughs> yes, oh, you'll no! notice the dookie is in your pants now. No, that is because doing? I demanded you poop yourself again. Oh, uh, extra dookie. I already made my poop, so now my intestines are just coming out. <laughs> yes, indeed. Marcus, get an erection. <laughs> I'm not evil. God damn it. <laughs> but it's like Voodoo. You have to believe in Kissel's power over you for it to work, which is very scary, honestly, to even think of believing in Kissel's magical powers, especially now that he has hellish rebuke at any point. Hellish rebuke. I still have it. If you're driving, go the speed limit. <laughs> well, in particular... 
people such as Helena had the power to control the house Dumavoy. Mm. Back then, people believed that each house had a goblin in the form of an old man who lived behind their stove and played tricks on the household if he was not pleased. <laughs> My name's Ross Perot. <laughs> <laughs> really good stuff, Kissel. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yo, you're going to make me do, so now do I have to do like, hey there, hey. I'm on the stove. And only, wait, 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 before you say something, let me finish. Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? That's the only thing I know is the Dana Carvey impression of Prospero. Yeah, and you said I didn't have magical powers. Look at that. He really is turning the chaos magic against us. I hate this. I hate that. I hate that we gave him these keys. Well, it's said that people like Helena could control spirits such as the Domovoy. And this shit was just sort of accepted knowledge. To her family, Blavatsky was a Sedmitka, or one connected to the number seven. Huh. Now, when Helena was born, Ukraine was still a part of the Russian Empire, and this was when Russia was still under the rule of the Tsar. While most people in the empire were serfs toiling for their local lords, Blavatsky was of minor nobility. Oh. So she was born on third base. Yes. Okay. This was a period in time when Russia truly was the backward cousin to Europe, still firmly rooted in medieval power structures well after American democracy was established and the French Revolution had taught the European aristocracy some very bloody lessons. As far as Blavatsky's family went, her father was a high-ranking soldier stationed in Poland under Tsar Nicholas I, who was the great-grandfather of Tsar Nicholas II, who, as we all know, later came under the sway of infamous mystic Grigory Rasputin. Yay! My boy! I actually, Rasputin. and it's interesting, <laughs> Rasputin! My, my, what I think is interesting about Rasputin is that in terms of occult figures, right, Rasputin really is the fucking, like, rags riches story. Yeah. He really fucking came up from a tiny little village and got all the way to the czar where HPB, you know, she kind of had some occult tools already at her disposal. She was kind of, like, born into this ability to yeah. just immediately start running as a witch. Well, interestingly, it seems like occultism was very much a part of Russian life when it came to certain members of the upper classes, because HPB's great-grandfather had a vast library of occult volumes that young Helena read whenever she could. Because remember, when the, one of the reasons why Rasputin was able to get as far as he did was because... Russian society, at least, you know, the high society, they were into the occult. They were right. primed and fucking ready for it. He just walked into a space. It, what does it see? Is it more like of a fashion thing? Like, because you know how, because yeah. America fell in love with it too. It became cool in America, coincidentally, as HBB started traveling to America more and more. Yeah. But there, it seems to be, it kind of was just like an in thing for the rich to mm. be into the occult. And you knew where Rasputin was walking because uh, his penis would leave a snail trail as it drug on the ground. <laughs> I thought it was a three-legged horse, but then it turned out to be big, smelly man. Oh. Make love to my wife. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, Helena's grandfather's name was Prince Pavel Vasilyevich Dolgoruki. Was he a mm -hmm. prince or was that his name? <laughs> he was a prince. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's not fucking Michael Jackson's kid. <laughs> 
And his library contained hundreds of books on alchemy and magic. And the prince had even rubbed elbows with some of the most famous magicians of the day, like Cagliostro and Comte de Saint-Germain. These are more... I mean, I don't even know when we'll cover these characters. Uh, yeah. I guess as we are, the years go by, we'll get deeper and deeper. But Deeper and deeper. God damn it. Yeah. But Cagliostro and Comte de Saint-Germain, they are proto versions of what HBB would become. They also did the same shit. Destroyed old personalities, became new, became something else. He was one of those who said that uh, he was immortal, right? And Cagliostro, I think he, was he murdered? I don't really know. I don't know what I don't happened know. with I Cagliostro. Get, I want to get into the story of Cagliostro, but he's another one. He's one that kind of goes under the radar as a, a famous magician of the 1700s. Yeah. I wish that I could see you, Marcus, in your heaven, which I think would be one of these libraries. <laughs> I, I th- wouldn't you love that? I, I, man, I can't understand half of this shit, especially uh. these like these really old volumes on like alchemy. Like, and Most of it is uh, fucking nonsense. Well, you uh, know... You can just jerk off on all the pages. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's kind of fun? First of all, I'd love to see dog meat inside of the giant hall of Akashic Records. Mm-mm. Just like him and Mozart and Jeffrey Epstein just all <laughs> hanging out, just sharing secrets, eating canapes. But I wonder if you actually, and I'm not going to say it's always the edibles. I don't always want to say it helps, right? No. But sometimes what's nice is that it's just about the pictures And then if you eat the edibles and you kind of like roll your eyes back and you like lay in the thing, like you get to HPB's place where she just fucking had a lip through a hashish and you just fucking let the imagery roll past you. You may not get a lot out of it and it may not make you like easier to talk to or like a better person. Right. But you'll see a whole lot of fucking hexagons. Absolutely. (laughs) That's very important. Well, it was even said that HPB's grandfather had an idea for a universal occult religion beholden to a group of unknown superiors, which sounds a hell of a lot like Blavatsky's ideas concerning hidden masters and Aleister Crowley's later secret chiefs. Hmm. Yeah, and T and Doe's, their connections to the their, their masters. Mm-hmm. Anybody who kind of had, this is one of those, like, preset occult ideas that seems to be this idea that there is like there are puppet masters behind this I'm just I'm just listening to these guys I'm just in charge of this group I'm doing all the stuff like yeah I'm making the money I'm having sex with all the women in the group I'm the only one who's allowed to do any of that but I'm not the boss (laughs) I gotta go and talk to my other guys they're the boss the ones you can't see you can't see them and you can't tell them or complain to them or say anything about like what I'm doing because they kind of like have a hands-off approach to what I'm doing yeah, right. and it's a weird thing about human nature is that there really is no difference between the secret chiefs telling you something and the guy standing in front of you telling something. There's, you're still getting uh, commands, but people, for some reason, need that otherworldly presence. Uh, they need that thing behind the curtain uh, in order for them to do some really wacky shit. And sometimes yeah. you just got to give it to these people, and that's what HPB understands later on. Well, no one wants to trust the person that they know for a fact just took a stinky dump. You, you, you have to have something right. mystical. No that one is, wants to. I that, mean, that's I, absolutely true. Yeah, it's like you, you can't. You hang out with anyone for more than an hour and a half, and you're going to see them do something human. Oh, the illusion's gone. <laughs> now, here's the thing about HPB and reading. 
No matter what you think of her, you cannot deny that she was an incredibly intelligent human being with a recall that was said to be comparable to Nikola Tesla's. Damn. Whatever she read, she remembered, and her occult education began at a very early age. Check this out, uh, potential witches and warlocks, because this is how you get there. You have to start early and start reading. It's all about the reading and and taking notes. She was an innate nerd. She was born with big old eyes. She's like, what everybody talking about, her big eyes, big mop of hair, kind of surly, like like a mean, chubby girl. But also, there's something about the otherness of it that immediately put her into a role that she was willing to accept and say, okay, I'll be the antagonistic person you immediately assume I am because of my scrunched face. Right, of course. Perhaps this influence is what caused Blavatsky to cast off the orthodox norms of the time, which is a much harder proposition in 1840s aristocratic Russian society than it is in, say, modern-day Des Moines. Well, modern-day Des Moines is a very fancy place. <laughs> what I want to say is that it's it's very difficult to throw... Like, it's not like just rebelling against your fucking parents. It's rebelling against an entire society. Have you told your parents that you don't like Clint Black in Des Moines? Do you really think that's going to go well? I feel like it's very difficult to rebel in Des Moines. Yeah, can you imagine like, being in Des Moines and being like, Guys, I'm, I, I, you know, I don't want to push any buttons here, but... I'm really not into corn. <laughs> wow. Wow. We thought I'm I was- I'm talking a- about the vegetable. What? That's even worse. Yeah. That's our just, family lineage. I'm just not- Yeah, I mean, I love the band, honestly, but yeah, I'm over it. Wow. <laughs> you are kicked out of here, my friend, and you better enjoy Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Never just come got, back. I guess I'll just go be gay for carrots in Minnesota then. <laughs> my sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. Shecky Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. 
Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it, and she loved it, and she wore it when we went on vacation, and model did everybody come around being like, where'd you get that piece, you beautiful woman? And I was like, stop talking to my wife. She's spoken for. You can see it with the Blue Nile bling she's got on her. Right now, get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Well, Helena was known as an abnormal child who would invent strange stories that she believed were 100% real. And she'd often convince others that these stories came from a place of absolute truth. She convinced her sister that Russia was home to a tall white flamingo who had <laughs> once been a man, but after he had committed fearful crimes and murder, he'd been changed by a magician into a brainless bird, doomed to wander deserts and marshes forever. The flamingo gets such a bad frickin' rap. It is a smart animal in the sense that it can almost walk on water, and it's fun, <laughs> and every every time you see a flamingo, you know you're at Margaritaville. I love flamingos. I, I'm not going to go and say that they're a smart bird or a capable bird. I do like looking at flamingos. Yes, you're correct on they're that. They're cool. They are cool looking. They're pink and they're fun and they yeah. stand on one leg. Yeah, but yes. you can. I think that they drown if you like t- t- put a worm underneath a rock in a lake. Like I think that they just fucking drown. I know they eat shrimp. 
I like shrimp. <laughs> Everyone likes shrimp. But I tell you what, it's better to be a flamingo than to be a fucking Russian in 1830s <laughs> serfdom. Whoa, hot take, Henry Zabrowski. It sounds like an awful fucking life. Yeah. I love surfing. <laughs> uh, no. uh, you are. Uh, I'm a real flamingo today. <laughs> I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna quit. Then I'm gonna quit everything. Great. Well, Helena also conducted long conversations in her sleep with mysterious individuals, such as the elderly woman who would visit her at night and give her detailed accounts of a life long past lived. Hey, Helena, are you awake? It's me, it's the elderly woman who who comes to you in your dreams. You awake, Helena? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am awake now. Uh, yeah. I wasn't, uh, this one time I, I bought a hat <laughs> Yeah, from a man who had a horse that he named Dog. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? I'm a ghost. I tell you every detail of, of every part of my life. Right, right. Um, this one time I bought another hat. Right. It was from a man who named his horse Cat. <laughs> well, that is, that is crazy. That's a little wild. Um... Aren't you supposed to go back to the Supreme Court there, Ruth Bader? <laughs> um, because... Hello! Real flamingo today. <laughs> she also spoke with unseen men, who she said imparted knowledge and wisdom, and even from a young age, she claimed that these were wise men who had existed in all ages and made themselves known only to those who were worthy. Okay. Now, depending on what school of thought you subscribe to when it comes to Blavatsky, these claims can be looked at one of two ways. If you think of her as a fraud, then you can say that Helena's entire career was merely built upon childish fantasies that she never quite outgrew, like if Calvin had built an entire religion around Hobbes. Smart idea. You yeah, should have I mean, done that. That's, that's where the money is. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how stuff gets created, isn't it? Yeah, I, I that's, what I, I mean, that's what I believe. I think that everything starts from like, Hey, you know, what if we, like, uh, what if we made shoes that little skates on the bottom of them? Like, <laughs> you, you know, and a lot of people are like, you're fucking stupid. And, you know, and you're like, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then one day, you fucking made roller skates, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I'm of the mind at this point that she created something. Yeah. And then it becomes real. Absolutely. And admittedly, it is true that in our studies on cult figures, we found that famous cult leaders such as Jim Jones showed abilities and interests from a young age that would inform their later career choices. And while Blavatsky was not a cult figure, she was still playing kind of the same sport. Hmm. It's an interesting divide, right? Yeah. Where what's the difference between Joseph Smith and Jim Jones? Right, we. This is where HPB kind of lies because she didn't go as far as to create a whole structured religion, but she also there was a moment in, in her future when she really could have started taking advantage of people like a true cult leader, and she did not. Yeah, she actually moved her sights upwards into more of a religious space than anything else. And I wonder what takes what what is the difference between a religious figure. And LRH, like in in the in the very end, I think it might be as simple as buildings, because wow. I think <laughs> buildings. I mean, really, I mean, because what F Helena Blavatsky ended up creating, you could argue, is more of a philosophy than a religion, because a yeah. religion requires structure, a religion requires organization, a religion requires buildings. Sure, yep. you want and a brick and mortar? Yeah. Well, she did a lot of renting, which yeah. I guess makes you filth. In America. <laughs> <laughs> 
But looked at a different, more open-minded way, you could say that HPB was chosen from birth for communication with a world that most people don't and will never understand, although Blavatsky herself eventually claimed to understand. Regardless of the origins, though, these abnormalities were met with predictable resistance from her family, who, despite believing in old men living rent-free behind their fucking stoves, mm -hmm. blamed her abnormalities on unseen devils. To try and break her spirit, her family had her exercised by priests countless times, drenching her, in Blavatsky's words, with enough holy water to float a fucking ship. Damn! And when that didn't work, they just tried old-fashioned beatings. This is like nowadays when, you know, you just got done taking, you just you just got done trimming your baby bangs, and you took a killer Ahago face picture, and you're posting it to your, to your Tumblr or your Discord, and then your parents come in there, and they see you doing the weird little Ahago face with the peace sign thing, and you got, like, Ted Bundy is my spirit animal t-shirt on, <laughs> and your mom comes in, and she's like, you need to go be an accountant. You're like, get out of my life, mom. It's the same energy. Interesting. All right, she's rebelling. Yeah, she's rebelling. And it's a lot of holy water. Yeah, she's rebelling, and they're responding with beatings and exorcisms. With any luck, she'll be Johnny Cash. <laughs> but I, you know, she and she won't be Johnny Cash. She becomes something almost different. Almost, I'm not going to say better, but different. Okay. Now, fraud or not, this total and complete rejection of who she was as a person somewhat soured Blavatsky on the Russian aristocratic lifestyle. That'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> and she met their rejection with sometimes extreme opposition. She hated fancy dress, finery, and civilized society. And she claimed that when she was 16, she was going to be forced to go to a ball at the local Viceroy's. What <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of ass-cats. That's kind of fun, though. I, I wish there was more. Balls would be fun. Like, town dances would be fun. Nah, they're not as fun as you think they are. I think they're Why? They're too stuffy. They're like the Met Gala. Would you ever <laughs> want to go nothing? there? I would love better than to go to the Glendale town dance <laughs> and go meet all those fun Armenians and see what their daughters are like and wonder what they're talking about in their three different cell phones and why do they all own five BMWs? They're cool guys. Well, at the Viceroy's Ball... Madame Blavatsky said her parents told her that you're going to go to this fucking thing if we have to get the servants to dress you and drag you there themselves. Oh, let her be a little goth in the basement. So to avoid the party, Blavatsky plunged her foot into a pot of boiling water and held it there until the flesh boiled raw. <laughs> See, you know, I, I will. <laughs> Mommy, daddy, I'm not going to dance. And I'll show you how much I'm not going to dance by turning my foot into a wonton. <laughs> uh, what was that movie? There's, there's something wrong with Jimmy or something like that. Uh, something, something we we got to talk, talk about, about Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, they had to there's talk about him. There's something wrong with Jimmy. I think <laughs> I is I, I've seen no. I've seen <laughs> flashes of pictures of there's something wrong with Jimmy that involves a guy named um. His name was like Lance Butt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what's wrong with He's, him. He started Jimmy Dong. Oh, I see. Okay. Now, while you might think a fancy ball might be a thing a young girl would want to attend in order to meet boys... No. Nope. It really is a reverse Cinderella. Yeah. Blavatsky was famously asexual oh. to an almost unreasonable degree, or huh. so she claimed. It's the term, I believe. She was ace, I believe, is the term now. Mm. Yes, that is the term now. That Which slaps. 
That, <laughs> I stand that. Well, she said that when she was young, if a boy dared speak to her of love, she would have shot him like a dog who had bitten her. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need That's a man. That's what I mean when I say to an unreasonable degree. Yeah, like, if, right. if you're saying, like, if a boy is going to talk to me, I'm going to shoot him in the fucking yeah. face. You that's know. a bit much. I, I feel like that's the overall uh, sentiment of modern society. <laughs> I'm going to embrace Generation Z again and say hashtag whole mood. Yeah, could be. <laughs> but really, Blavatsky's sexuality is quite possibly one of her greatest mysteries. One could say that Blavatsky merely passed on the pleasures of the flesh in service of a higher consciousness, as she said that she had a volcano in constant eruption in her brain. Oh, and I, a I really thought you were going to say pussy. <laughs> I really... Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. And a glacier at the foot of the mountain. <laughs> You see? If Did you know what she means? I that? think it's pretty obvious. It does seem like a Native American prescription from a doctor of why you can't have kids. <laughs> oh, she's got the old... Cr- she got cold crotch. Oh, we've seen this before. This is, uh, this is not accurate entirely. And I may be wrong. But I seem to remember from reading uh, the abridged Secret Doctrine, there was like one description of her sexuality. And I believe, now I'm not, I have no clue if this is an injury you can actually get. We're going to cover a couple of these horse injuries that she's had, right? But one of them, she sort of knocked part of her ute loose. She said, that the only thing that she ever had approaching sexuality, she said, because she used a lot of crude terms. Blavatsky, HPB is a fucking, she's a crude lady. She's a funny lady. Sure. But the one thing she said, the only, th- I forgot what the exact terminology was, but she said, I just remember the end bit, which is the only thing that she needed in regards to sexuality was a close hand at a crooked cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because she's crude doesn't mean she doesn't have sexuality. Bonnie Clyde, uh, or Bonnie mm-hmm. uh, from Bonnie and Clyde was very crude, and the only thing that she needed to come was a bunch of murder. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Now, Helena was said to have certain strange powers as a child. She could put pigeons to sleep using only what she called Solomon's wisdom. It's like a magical gift that no one gives a fuck about. <laughs> Yeah, because mostly how you put pigeons to sleep is just by hitting them with a hammer. Yeah. (laughs) And she also survived a horse riding accident, her first of many, through seemingly supernatural means. The horse she was riding bolted, and Helena fell from the saddle. Her foot was caught in the stirrup, and her head should have been smashed to the ground over and over and over again as the horse ran. It's a common uh, way to die when riding a horse. And folks, that's called the first ever spaghetti western. (laughs) Yeah, I I honestly, I thought that was called pulling a Yosemite Sam. (laughs) (laughs) But some unseen force kept her head aloft until the horse was able to be caught. When she was asked what had happened... She said that a tall Indian in linen had protected her, and it was this same tall Indian who sometimes came to her in her dreams and held conversations about hidden knowledge. Hold on a second. Is this Wayne's World 2? <laughs> no, this, no, I'm talking about India, Indian from India. Ah! No, no, not Native ah, American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not Native no. American. No. This all has to do with, it, with... When I say Indian for the rest of this series, okay. I'm talking about a dude from India. Oh, right. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. It was Dalsim from Street Fighter. Cool. Awesome. He can stretch. Uh, While this might freak some people out, Helena only wanted to know more. 
and perhaps the person who provided some of that knowledge was her servant, Baronig Booyak. <laughs> of course. Booyak? Booyak. the boy, Booyak. All he does is teach me how to pray. He brings me my natty fucking light. And man, sometimes we sit cross-legged for hours. I love my boy, Booyak. Damn. I didn't, so she really was. I mean, the fact that she has a servant. Yeah. Well, they, is... they called her a, his uh, her surf, which is the same fucking thing. Okay. Well, yeah, basically, I, yeah, you get assigned a poor person. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Some said Booyak was a magician, and Blavatsky claimed that he taught her the occult properties of plants and instructed her upon, quote, the language of the bees. You will see that the bees, they go buzz, 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 and that is when they are full of the bee shit, which is what the people eat. And sometimes the, buzz, the, sometimes the bees, they go buzz, 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 and that means... Kill yourself, Booyak. Kill yourself. <laughs> and I say, why, be, why speak my inner truth to me, bees? And you have to ignore and put on the rock and roll music. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the bees would never want you to kill yourself. They want to sting you and hang out. And since the soldiering life of Helena's father required travel to different parts of the Russian Empire, Helena was also exposed to the idea of Buddhism at a young age. She even spent a whole summer living with Buddhists in the city of Astrakhan near the Caspian Sea. Well, that must have been exciting. <laughs> I, Buddhists are, they, they hard sell you. Yeah. There's a Buddhist temple near where I live where they, they fucking, they really harass you. For a peaceful people, they really want you to meditate. And they're yelling about it, right. which I don't really get. But this is kind of the equivalent of studying abroad. You know, like at Florida State, I've t- told this story before, you know, all the people who left Florida State and came back from London from their study abroad program <laughs> yes. started calling things flats. This is when they call, and you know, call and saying lifts and shit, where this is the same thing where she just came back, but her main thing was coming back with like fucking sandals. And, you know, in Russia, it's hard to have sandals. Oh, it's Because cold. you got to yeah. dig for your food. Yes. <laughs> she was the nobility. She wasn't digging for jack shit. Hell yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah all yeah. right. She could. I mean, that is the thing about Elena Blavatsky is that she could afford to do a lot of this shit when right. a lot of people at the time couldn't. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. Uh, she got to do yeah, this because she right. wasn't forced to. She wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't being raped for children by a feudal lord, which is the <laughs> existence of everybody else that was like underneath her. She was set. Yeah. It's sort of like Gwyneth Paltrow, where you're so you have so much money and so much family clout that you're allowed to be super dumb. That's interesting. That's interesting because she just bought her way into rock pussies, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but for all of Helena's knowledge and curiosity, she was still a woman of the Russian nobility during the 1840s. Oh. And when she was 17, it came time for Helena to get married. That's a little early, but I guess they die younger. They die much younger. Yeah, I mean, for reasons not quite clear, if this tells you anything, like the guy that she chose, Nikifor Blavatsky, uh, he was in his mid-40s, and they were like, why did you choose such an old man? I can't get hard anymore, and she said her pussy was real cold. And I I don't know, maybe I could It's a good choice as a 17-year-old. Get a guy you can't fuck anymore. Sure. Then you won't be forced to deal with it every night. And pawing and grabbing and licking and 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 looking for the spots. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. What kind of? What is that? Looking Sometimes for the spots. Sometimes a woman just lays there and yeah, and she's she's there and then you got to go look for all the spots. Yeah, you know you got to. Does Natalie know that you devolve your bizarre, uh, devolve your de- bizarre sex acts on national radio, aka podcast? <laughs> it is for it. This is my inner game. Oh, uh, uh. okay. 
Well, the rumor was that she chose Nikifor Blavatsky to spite her mother based on an unkind comment that her mother had made. Hmm. And talking about a possible marriage match, Helena's mother had said that no man, not even that old asshole Nikifor Blavatsky, would choose such an unruly, ill-tempered, unpredictable woman such as Helena. Ah, she drove her right into his arms. <laughs> exactly Come what on. you did. Because, like, yeah, and then HPB's like, you want to try me? <laughs> I will, I'm marry a stump. I'll <laughs> marry it. it goddamn well and go and get water out of it all day long if that's what I got to do. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not a father. I got two dogs. Uh, well, fostering one and, and a half puffin. But this is just a technique I think would work. Your daughter brings home a guy. He's a greaser, let's say. He's uh-huh. got cigarettes in his pocket. I don't know what the kids are doing. Yeah. <laughs> just love him. Just be like, he's a pretty cool guy. I'm <laughs> loving Larry. And then she'll hate him forever. Mm-hmm. I certainly loved his Joe Rogan shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, another story said that Helena had met a man named Prince Gollitson. (laughs) You got to go with the prince. Yeah, but he was a mystic and magician who was encouraging the teenaged Helena to run away with him and see the world. This was not proper. Hmm. So to protect her honor and keep her bound to Russia, it's said that Helena's family hastily arranged the match to Nikifor just to get her out of the way, giving her to a man Helena had previously called the Plumeless Raven because of his receding hairline. Whoa, buddy. Whoa, whoa. Let's think about this here. This kind of shows her immediate dynamism, right? Where she, you know, to the, at the time, she was more of an interesting looking woman than traditionally pretty. She had the captivating eyes, a big mop of hair. She dressed very flagrantly. She liked dressing on, she wore the red shirts of the Italian rebels, like uh, at the time, it was like Garibaldi, you know, like like she wore bright colors and all stuff. And there was something just about her personality that drew people to her, even when she was actively like saying, now, get away from me. (laughs) People were like, still like, all up in it. Like, this prince was just straight up like, I'm gonna take you on vacation, woman. And she's just like, yeah, how bad you want it? Because I'm already married. And she's just already playing people. Right, of course, the plumeless raven, he's a great professional wrestler. Uh, He has his pubes cut in a certain way that if you stare at him, you die. (laughs) Well, from what Helena said in a later letter, she married Nikifor Blavatsky because he, unlike anyone else in her life, believed in her developing magical abilities. So this guy's a good, I mean, for her, it's actually kind of a good match. Well, we don't know which one of these stories is true. Ah. Yeah, but, I mean, if this was true, then marrying Nikifor would give her ample time to study the occult. Or so she thought. Oh, my God. Well, she had immediate second thoughts when she agreed to the marriage, and she tried to back out, but Nikifor wouldn't let her. She relented, married, and during the ceremony, when the priest said, Thou shalt honor and obey thy husband, Helena supposedly muttered, quote, I surely shall not. Yeah, yeah. She essentially gave the 1830s version of as if. Whoa! Damn! Cutting deep! Yeah, and she tried escaping on her wedding night. She she conspired with Kurds to ride off to the Iranian border, but one of the Kurds ratted her out to Nikifor, and so she spent her wedding night under armed guard. Jeez, just let her go. Come on. 
Now, Nikifor thought that Helena would mellow out a bit after the marriage. Oh, yeah. A- People always change after they get married. It's a thing <laughs> that you need to remember is that always get married thinking you're going to change them because it always works. Yeah. yeah. Does yeah. anyone change for the better after marriage or does it always get worse? I changed for the better. I changed for the better. You did? Yeah. Our relationship. I think that my relationship is stronger since getting married. Yeah. Huh? I think, take that. Take that, you piece of shit. Good. Dagger to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course she didn't change. She didn't change at all. I mean, he thought she this was some, some going to be some sort of fucking magical spell where she uh. does the ceremony, she takes the vows, and she's going to be a normal woman, and it's going to be a normal marriage. This guy, is, he's out of line. But when it became apparent that this would never happen with Helena, he just sort of let her go. And okay. so she rode off alone to begin what is known as Helena's veiled years. Oh. Now, out of all the periods in Blavatsky's life, the two decades between the ages of 18 and 38 are perhaps the most controversial, partly because Helena changed her own story about these years quite a bit, and partly because documentation is scant. This is a 20-year chunk here. Okay. Big, huge chunk we're about to go mm-hmm. through here. Right. Huge chunk of her life that is completely veiled in mystery, purposefully so. She made sure after this, anybody who asked her about her past, she would give them a different story. Right. So this is sort of what... Gary Lockman did as much as he could to get as much documented proof over what he could see where she was and w- sightings of her essentially right. to piece together the story because we don't know what's true and what's not because apart for me there's a if we're going to think about this entirely occult thinking when I look at HPB's life I look at it the same way I'm looking at the secret doctrine where I'm actually looking at this more for symbolic meaning Right, she built a story purposefully. That was actually more of a, in my mind, if she really was the real deal, which I I go every day, I think differently about HBB. I think that there's a part of it where she knew one day historians and all these people are going to look back on her life, and so what she's going to do is tell essentially like tales about her own version of of her own history. That your job as a person, you could take it for as straightforward information. Or you could look a level look a level deeper and say, what is the meaning here? Okay. Now some of her stories are confirmed by other sources, and every once in a blue moon they're backed up by documentation. But it's fucking impossible to say exactly what was true and what wasn't during the time that Blavatsky traveled the world. But we do know she did travel the world. She wasn't just sitting in Russia the entire time. Cool. Yeah, but it's just about whether or not was she doing an active spiritual investigation on a bunch of different continents. Or did she become a fucking yachter? Yeah. Like, truly become, like, what... Uh, I brought up Lindsay Lohan before. Like, that kind of shit, where she became sort of, like, professional entourage for a bunch of rich people. We're, we're not quite certain. Well, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't know... I mean, I don't want to be rude here, but... Uh, yep. I mean, who... Yeah, <laughs> true. Do it. Well, no, I mean, are that, people that, paying to hang that, out with her? I mean, you got... It's she's not a gigantic toad. No, she's not. No, no, no. no she's, not <laughs> she's not a toad. She's not. That's what I'm saying. At the time, because they all the it's interesting how they paint her because they all say talk about her size and then they say she was 18 stone or something. She was like, which is the equivalent of 230 pounds. I was like, that's that's nor that's like normal. That's not really like. It's well, not like that's she was a like a 200. Fucking, I don't care. I don't care if you're Adele from 2012, Adele from 2016, or Adele from now. They're all beautiful. Everyone is beautiful. No, people were way into her, man. She fucking she had a way about her. It's a wink. 
I know what the wink is. Well, as far as how she paid for it, it's thought that she probably lived on the dime of her father, who pretty much decided that Helene is going to do what Helene is going to do. Good. That's exactly right. And others think Nikifor Blavatsky sent cash as well, deciding pretty much the same thing. But, you know, she's my wife. She's going to do whatever the fuck she wants to do. Here, here's some extra cash. Don't fucking starve on the streets of My wife wants to go to fucking <laughs> India. Yeah, let her go. So Blavatsky traveled to places like Constantinople, Greece, France, England, America, and Cairo, picking up companions along the way who would play large roles in Blavatsky's later theosophical life. Hell yeah, very cool. There should be a fucking RPG of her story. Yeah. In Constantinople, she hooked up with a countess called Kisilov, who suggested Blavatsky would have a much easier time traveling as a man. So Blavatsky took her advice and cross-dressed her way across the continents, usually dressed as a cabin boy. Oh, cool. Hey, someone bring me that rather busty cabin boy. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> Want to see so... if um, I have a feeling some of the parts are woman-like. Maybe. All right, good for her. Also, while in Constantinople, Blavatsky was once again almost killed by a horse. Damn. She was performing horse stunts on a steeplechase for cash using a wild mare who had killed two previous riders. Wait a second. So she's doing horse? She's a stunt woman? She was a hell of a fucking horse rider. She could okay. fucking do up, man. She was a great horse rider. Cool. I mean, really, when she she got big when she got older. I'm not yeah. talking. No, I'm done with that. I'm not even on that. I'm, I'm just interested yeah. that she's a horse rider. Well, the horse reared up, fell backward, and crushed her. Oh, Impact injured her heart permanently, and this injury would turn into one of the many physical maladies that Blavatsky would succumb to again and again over the course of her relatively short life. I wonder what it was about the 1800s where it was stuff like, because she just had this like wound, this open wound on her chest for the rest of her life that would just like weep sometimes oh. or like open up or like do something. I was like, I, how does Ugh. this happen? Why doesn't this really happen now? Well, because we have surgery, we can do open heart surgery and go in and fix it. And they didn't know how to do it back then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Marcus. <laughs> All right. But this was the injury, and I don't mean to sound sophomore cure. Oftentimes, I try to be as mature as I can on the show. But this was the injury that I believe was what I said before that knocked your pussy loose. And I'm not certain if that's a direct injury, but they said something about like her uterus got rattled, but like she got like fucking ute dice. Because of this, like something happened and knocked loose in her gut so and her- made so that her sex wasn't good no more for her. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I am no, just being a storyteller and an educator. I agree. It's very important information. Well, despite the heart trouble, though, Blavatsky was a nicotine fiend and was said to constantly roll in smoke cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. They said she'd smoke up to a pound of tobacco a day. Holy sh- That's Whoa. like that Bill Hicks joke where yeah. it's like two packs a day. I go through two lighters a day. Yeah. How a pound of cigarettes... How much does a uh, how much uh, what, what is that? Is that like literally actually, ten packs of cigarettes a day? I would like for someone to even answer this question. Side stories lpotl at gmail I wonder if at the time tobacco was more powerful too. Like I bet tobacco was way closer to like weed. I know that it was like tougher on the system and get you high and shit back in the day. Well, I don't I, know. I mean, nowadays it has glass in it, doesn't it? Yeah, they said. I mean, they said that she would smoke hundreds of cigarettes a day. That oh she, it was God. just a constant. Just because, and you also got to remember, she's smoking little rollies, right, right? So she's not smoking like full. She's not smoking like a hundred camel wides a day. Sure. Yeah. Nah, she's not a fucking 
a truck driver. <laughs> yeah, she ain't racking up the miles here. Right, yeah. No inflatable uh, chairs in her future. <laughs> Not too long after recovering from the incident with the horse, Blavatsky had a run-in with an opera singer named Agardi Metrovic. God, these names are... I wish we could go back to them. I love these names. Yeah. No, we should start... This is... I mean, Marcus is the one who wants kids. Yeah. This is your... You better think of long and hard what occult names you're going to give your children. <laughs> oh, children. A, a Guardi a Guardi Parks. That is gonna. There is yeah. no way that kid's gonna grow up to be a failure. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Parks is one of the least occult names in fucking history. <laughs> yeah, change it to Parkskovsky. Like, just change oh, it yeah. and make it make a new name for the child. Yeah, just take her. But if they took their mother's name, then Hidalgo. Like that's that's, that's cool. an occult name right there. Yeah. That'd fucking work out. Absolutely, it's a cool name. Well, the nature of the relationship between Madame Blavatsky and Agardi Metrovic is highly debated. From what Gary Lockman says, Blavatsky found Metrovic in a ditch after he'd been stabbed by a gang of Corsican ruffians working on the orders of the local Jesuits who'd put out a hit on Metrovic for reasons unknown. He dared sing Pavati's number five in less than an A shop? Stab him with bread? Because in my mind, Corsican ruffians are just a bunch of, like, guys with scarves on just going like... Uh, you do not even eat cheese correctly, <laughs> and you have to go like this is this is what you're doing. You're just gonna heckle me about my table manners. Yes, I cannot believe you left more than an inch of cheese on this plate. And you're like, stop it, stop <laughs> it. You're cutting me with your words. That's the thing. I don't know if these are tough people or super comically weak people. <laughs> I, I just it's it's tough with the history. It's tough with the history. <laughs> Well, a policeman who had been offered a bribe was just about to push Metrovich's body into a ditch when he was stopped by Blavatsky brandishing a pistol. Oh. And she guarded Metrovic until she was able to arrange for him to be taken to a hotel for further care. Now, this is HP. This is HPB's story. Yes, this is HPB's story. And after that, she and Metrovic stayed friends until his death. They were chums. Cool. Chums. She loved the word chums. Love the word chum. I love chum. But according to Marion Mead, the woman who wrote the more anti-Blavatsky biography, Blavatsky and Metrovic had an on-again, off-again relationship for 20 years and actually had a hunchback child together named Yuri, who died very young. Hey, mommy, is it okay if I die? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the kid dies. You have to call him Hunchback every time. Just get, get, I know what. It doesn't me, matter. That's a fucking author. That, no. they, they made sure to put that in detail in there. I'm just reporting the facts, sir. I, uh, all we do is report the facts. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text and that helps you save time i know i'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with 
horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life how much i need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as i wake up and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors big and small some people are presidents some people are soldiers some people have to eat mayonnaise especially with hard-boiled eggs which is what i eat for lunch but i guess i should share that in therapy because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today. To get 10% off your first month. That's better help. H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Blavatsky's passport did show that she was in possession of a ward named Yuri in the 1860s. But a gynecological report from the 1880s confirmed that Madame Blavatsky had not and could not bear children, owing to what she called a crooked uterus. See? I wasn't making that up. I know she you were- did have a flippy floppy <laughs> uterus. Can you just imagine the scroll that unfurls back then for the gynecological report? <laughs> so oh, weird. I can't imagine. It. I mean, I... I I would assume that it just sent a chill down every woman's spine. The idea of an 1840s gynecologist. <laughs> what? Uh, what? What are they doing? 
They were just looking for reasons to cut out your fucking uterus at any turn, and that's just a that's a brutal surgery. And then all the tools are made out of wood. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like that scene from Seven where the guy put a knife on his dick. Yeah. Well, the mysterious Yuri's origins are still somewhat of a puzzle, but unless Blavatsky crooked that uterus herself and rearranged her vagina completely, Yuri was not hers. But it does sound like, yeah, I mean, how do you crook your own pussy? How do you do that? Do you get, like, fucking Chip and JoJo in there to do a bunch of demo, or do you just, like, I don't sit know. on a salad spinner, or do you just punch yourself all the time until it fucking gets lopsided? Moving on to Cairo from Constantinople, Blavatsky met an artist named Albert Rawson, who witnessed HPB chowing down on balls of hash and studying with a Coptic magician named Paulos Metamon at a four-star hotel. This is how they. This is why they think she was probably bankrolled. Is like quite often is when she was seen in these travels. The times that she was seen, she was often in fancy hotels. Nice clothes, yeah. eating good food, all fucking plied with hashish. Love that fucking Sweet. hash. Helped with your third eye opening a little bit. Also you know helps you go to sleep against your will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. It sounds like she had a pretty fun life here. A great life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. After that, she traveled through France, astonishing Freemasons with her astral projection skills. But it was in England that Madame Helena Blavatsky first met with one of her so-called masters. Now, the nature of the masters are, predictably, a point of contention. According to Blavatsky, these were real men whom Blavatsky communicated with mentally and sometimes physically, remarkable men with remarkable powers who imparted their vast wisdom to Helena. Others think that the masters were merely Blavatsky's way of giving her ideas a masculine backing, Mm. an identity to her inner voice that, in the culture of the times, needed a man's perspective to be taken seriously. Well, she really wanted to be a part of. She wanted to be part of many secret societies. She because now because this is the time period. You know people in this time period that were a part of the Bavarian Illuminati, mm-hmm. the very beginnings of the the uh, Golden Dawn, the very beginnings of all of these people. So these institutes and these weird little think tanks, occult think tanks, were popping up everywhere, and she kept trying to get inside of one, but they didn't want a woman. So, this is maybe one way of fashioning a little opening for herself. Luckman actually thinks that the Masters were possibly a joke that took on a life of its own. A fun little game that got out of hand and ended up being a much bigger part of Blavatsky's story than she intended it to be. Mm. That the Masters were not necessarily supposed to be at the forefront of everything, but because one of her dudes got a little carried away with it, she had to sort of follow him. And she kept the hook going. But then also, the more and more I fucking read this bullshit, the more and more I believe in the concept of the the idea of the tulpa, the created persona that then becomes in a way real, the more you treat it as if it's real. Mm -hmm. So then I wonder if in a way she did have contacts. She had physical contacts and teachers because she had to learn this shit from somewhere. Yeah. Like some, somebody gave her some some of these books, things that she was reading, where she got her base knowledge from in the first place. So she, I feel like she must have had some contacts, but then when she's building the story of these masters, they, in a way, take care of themselves. They start to become more real on their own. The more you have more and more people create an aggregate personality, all believing that these masters are real. 
Well, she seemed like a gal about town. It seems like it's more likely she had masters or at least someone like that. Well, absolutely. I mean, it seems like master was really like a title of honor and respect that she bestowed upon certain men in her life. I mean, pretty much dudes who showed her respect. Cool. And furthered her understanding of the universe. All right. The first of these, according to what Blavatsky later said, came to her while she was visiting England in 1851 as a companion to her godmother, Princess Bagration Moransky. <laughs> <laughs> Off with his head! <laughs> I don't know what she does. One version of the story said that she saw the tall Indian man who had saved her from being killed by the horse when she was a kid in a crowd, and he told her to find him later at Hyde Park, where they had a meeting of the mines. In another tale, she said this man saved her from jumping into the River Thames at a particular low point in her life. But no matter how she said she met him, the point of the meeting was always the same. This master, whom she called Master Moria, said that he had a special mission for her, and in order to prepare, she had to spend three years in Tibet training for what was to be her life's purpose. This is straight-up Batman Begins. <laughs> I love it. It's the, it's the hero's journey. It really is. It's weird is. That, it, that you can see the same thing in fiction pop up again and again, mirroring. True life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Coincidence. Coincidence. I love it, man. This is a very cool story. It's interesting she allowed herself to be vulnerable mm -hmm. with the with the uh, acknowledgement of being suicidal or, or down anyway. Yeah, it's very interesting. Times. I mean, a Jim Jones wouldn't do that. No. Uh, I would say that it, it's possibly horseshit. Yeah, it's quite, yeah, it's it's quite, but even so, even appearing to be uh, vulnerable is, you know, something yeah. in and of itself. So Blavatsky decided that the best way to get to Tibet would be, as Gary Lockman writes, to go the Columbus route and travel to India and eventually Tibet through the Americas, oh. visiting the various mystical men and communities contained therein. Now, Blavatsky's American adventure did start on a sour note when medicine men in Quebec stole her boots. Oh, come mm. on. <laughs> That's what they'll do. That's what they'll Never do. Never leave your shoes Reiner, lying around a Canadian doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, she decided to visit the center of America's new religion, filled with people still known to this day to be friendly to an almost creepy degree. Yep. She made her way to what was then the home base of of the Mormons. Whoa. Nauvoo, Illinois. Isn't that fucking wild, dude? Isn't that wild that these That's stories crazy. all fucking smashed together? Yeah, she went to go see what the Mormons were all about because she was trying to, she was getting essentially a scope for every spiritual movement that was around. Very similar to the way that Jim Jones would go to every church mm -hmm. to slowly build like his idea of what his church would be. Right. She, she is already kind of picking up all of the parts of her philosophy. And she so, thought maybe the Mormons got something. I mean, like, you know, they fucking took off. They built their whole own fucking city. Yeah. yeah. And they always showed up a couple of weeks late for a war. That's how you live. <laughs> um, so did she... Was she given insight into, like, the Mormon religion? She or was it more just kind of, like, picking up on the social cues? Well, unfortunately, by the time she got there, Joseph Smith had already been killed, and Nauvoo had been destroyed by uh, an angry mob once again. Ah. <laughs> All right. Noted. Yes. Noted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she missed it. Moved on. Yeah. Blavatsky then went to New Orleans. There, she studied voodoo until Master Moria warned her that voodoo was a dark practice. Oh, I would have loved to be in New Orleans at that time. Oh, man. Yes. 
She then traveled through Texas and went to Mexico, dipping down to South America to explore ancient Incan temples. What, she didn't learn anything in Texas? <laughs> she just went She went through one of the biggest states in the country and didn't pick up anything? No, nah, I don't think no. she really picked up much in Texas. <laughs> no. I picked up a chewing tobacco habit, but I'm back to cigarettes <laughs> now. Interesting. She, she hit all the spots, right? Or she... If this is true. If this is true. I think that I think that this leg is actually like vaguely true because you can kind of travel through this time. We, what we learned about America at the time is a real fluid, right? So people are running in and out. So she was probably, she at least went and looked at it. Cool. Yeah. Finally, though, in 1852, she headed to India, joined by a German and a Hindu that she had met in Honduras. Unfortunately, though... Tibet was no easier to get into back then than it is now. Mm. And at this time, it was under British rule. Must have really hurt all those horses to have that bumper sticker that said free Tibet on their asses. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask, what? why is it hard to get into Tibet? I don't know. I am going to say, honestly, I don't know a heck of a lot about Tibet. You know, I was really afraid you were going to ask me that question because I don't know either. Okay. But you know what? I will say... <laughs> I will say we're how are we man enough to admit it? Yes, we are. I think they got a lot. It's expensive tolls. It's like Jersey. Oh, it's oh, like it's like Jersey. Jersey? Yeah, yeah. Was, thanks, Kissel. Yeah, yeah, that's great. They, they tax cool. you, but the okay, roads good. aren't very oh, good. good. No, it's like what am I Jersey paying for? Jersey has so okay. So where is it like in Jersey? Is it pork roll Jersey or is it Sopranos Jersey or is it the dump? Uh, Choose near MetLife. <laughs> Near Met Life, the old I'm looking the at the giant. Wikipedia page. This is already too much for me to read right now. <laughs> well, according to Blavatsky, she was turned away at the border by British guards. And there is some small documentation of this. According to reports, border guards turned away a white woman traveling alone in the Tibetan mountains in 1854, the same year Blavatsky claimed to have attempted entry. It's not proof, but... It's something. It's something. But imagine this scene. You're a guard at the fucking, the most power, like, whatever Tibet is, right? But secret. <laughs> it's hard to get in there, and you're not letting anybody in there, right? Sure. I don't know why. I'm certain that someone will tell me someone's going to yell at us, right? Yeah. You can't get in there. Of course. And you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you're like, hey, hey. Scrunched. All of a sudden, fucking, essentially, Rebel Wilson with a wig on. <laughs> Rolls out of the rolls out of the bush, covered in leaves and shit. Hey, hey, hey! I like to get in there, please. Can I get in there? And then you're just like all these guards with with their shimitars, which I imagine I don't know if that. Oh god, I'm gonna get so much trouble. Whatever it is that they have, dude, they're British guards. They're British guards. They have guns, muskets. They got muskets. Muskets. (laughs) Yeah, rifles. At this point, they have rifles. So she rolls up there and they're just like, uh, no. You know? Yeah. And then yeah. she's got to go like, okay. Ah, shit. And then yeah. just like back into the bushes, like back on me like, well, I guess I'm not going to be enlightened today. No. Huh? You got to pay the drill toll to get inside that boy. That's a funny show. Always funny. Always sunny in Philadelphia. It's Good a show. very funny show. Love those guys. Inspiration, as a matter of fact. Absolutely, Yeah. So after being turned away in Tibet, Blavatsky ended up back in America, staying briefly. Yeah. She went all... That sucks. Did I just say that sucks for this poor woman? Yeah, and this is like traveling by boat. So this is like... What do you mean no? What do you mean I can't come in? That she... That's mean. The British (laughs) are mean. But she understood a little bit. Again, if any of this is true, 
she understand that this is a mystical journey, right? She's on a mystical journey. So it's going from place to place to place. And she's already starting to understand that, like, when you're on a mystical journey, no's are lessons, Kissel, right? You get a no. Obviously, I'm not supposed to be in there right now. So I'm going to fucking, I guess, hike back. It's just a and big, it's just a lot of time. It's a lot of it time. It is. I mean, we're talking a 20-year span here Good with Lord. all these fucking travels. And she just got a no? And she just got a no. You know what she did? She went back to America, stayed with Albert Ross in New York City for a little bit, and then she decided, I'm going to go see the Mormons again. And she took a covered wagon all the way across America to Salt Lake City. All right. I don't know what she did with the Mormons, though. Did you find out what she did with the Mormons? She just go and- say, hey. It seemed like she, from what I read, she went to go say hey. Yeah. And she just basically went to go see, because again, they, at the time, would live in the dream. They got their own fucking state. They got all of the, like, the, the remember when we were talking about, like, they fucking, how much they controlled, how quickly, how close we were to having a Mormon president. Then and again, fucking hundreds of years later. So she went to go kind of see, like, well, they're figuring it out. This She has chutzpah. She really does. I don't think I would have traveled that much back then. No. I would have st- maybe go to Des Moines <laughs> one time. After that, it was India and Tibet again. Damn. Although this time she attempted to go through Kashmir. On this trip, she had a shaman, but nevertheless still got lost. She was, however, saved by what she claimed were magical means. According to her, the shaman kept a strange stone under his armpit throughout the journey, but wouldn't explain what it was for. I hate that natural deodorant, man. <laughs> I, it must have cut up his armpit quite a bit. That was probably a smooth stone. Even, even so, it's not comfortable. <laughs> Just up in there. They have more. If you're real skinny, Kissel, yeah. we don't have this, right? But if you're real skinny, you have them hollow armpits. Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I see. I, Marcus is showing me his yeah, armpits look, now. Look, it's a big hole. That is a big hole. <laughs> I see. <laughs> not, not healthy. I think the armpits are the worst part of a man. But yeah. I like a nice armpit on a lady. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when they got lost. The shaman struck a wooden peg in the ground and placed a goat's head on top. The ritual was about to begin. <laughs> this is so much more fun than stopping at a gas station for directions. <laughs> yes. I'm doing this. I'm shutting my GPS off uh, and doing this. <laughs> Where is Kissel? I haven't seen Kissel in two months. <laughs> <laughs> the shaman then took the stone from his armpit, put it in his mouth... And immediately <sighs> fell into a trance, stiff as a corpse. A deep voice then emanated from the ground and asked, What the hell do you want? What the hell do you want? What are you doing here? What do you want from me? Well, Blavatsky took this voice to be coming from the shaman's astral self. So oh she God. asked, Astral Projector, where do we go? What do we do? What the fuck, huh? Again, this is me looking up fucking playthroughs in the outer worlds. Me being like, what's happening here? Somebody fucking, how yeah. do I equip? How do I mod my armor? I just, I'm, I'm just picturing Billy Crystal from like Dark Crystals. Yeah. Is that what, was that the name <laughs> of this? Is that Princess Bride? Princess Bride, yeah. yes. Billy Crystal from Princess Bride. <laughs> oh, man. Well, sure enough, after she asked for help, a few hours later, horsemen arrived and escorted Blavatsky back to the border. She got denied again. What the Jesus fuck? Christ. It's hard. What does she got to do? What does she have to do to get into this place? Yeah, she's going to... You got to earn it. She's got to earn it. The time has to be right. Oh, God. I'm not... You know, at some point, I just give up. Doesn't yeah. she like any of the places she's going to? <laughs> just, just hunker down. Do a hunker down. 
with that fucking attitude, Kissel, you're never going to be an ascended master. Oh, all right, all right. After her second failure to gain entry into Tibet on the order of her mystical master, Blavatsky made her way back home to Russia, where she showed up on her sister's doorstep on Christmas night after being gone for a decade. <laughs> now she was being she was gone for a fucking decade. She was gone for ten years. She sent a letter, and this is I, this is one of those magical things where she sent a letter saying. I will arrive by Christmas, and you shall see me, and I can't wait to be with the family again. The time, travel, highly unpredictable. Yeah. Right, where it's in this. So you don't know when the hell the fuck you're going to get there. But Christmas night, she rolls in, covered with, like, I went to Tibet, and all I got was this lousy (laughs) T-shirt. Like, bullshit. Like, you know, like, full-on, like, Indian regalia. Like, came in with all of this bullshit. I'm a mystic now. I did all this shit. And meanwhile, they're all like, what happened to your husband? You remember when you were married to a guy and you did all of this shit? You just left and came back? What a uh, a Christmas that must have been. Yeah. Well, from what Blavatsky said, she swept away all traces of her travels during this time because had her family immediately known that she'd been out trips in the world chasing the occult dragon, they would have disowned her. Why? They said that they would have rather, rather she be a prostitute than do what she did. And then she got accused of being one. She got accused of being one, and that's how she got to travel around the world. That's that's a part of the way they shunned her. And then during this time period, it's, it's that thing where you go like, they're like, so, uh... Where you been for 10 years? And she's like, out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Not here. So. <laughs> and you're like, did you want to tell us like maybe what you did or like where you get, where you went? Like you're all your shit. And you're like, whatever. <laughs> I'm Team like, Blavatsky here. I, because oh yeah. I don't like the parents too much. <laughs> you're the whole family. Well, what she did is she eased them into it. Something had happened to Blavatsky on her travels, and she'd returned with strange powers she couldn't always control. And this part right here, this does not come from Madame Blavatsky. This comes from the testimony of her family, who weren't necessarily jazzed about Blavatsky leaving and coming back with weirdo wackadoo shit happening all around her. She was a stain on the family. And then when she came back and became essentially a Wi-Fi hotspot for paranormal activity that she couldn't control, this is the stuff that I find highly interesting. Where they, the way they talked about it is that the house, she came in to stay, and the house came alive. Very similar to what we just covered with Jeff the Talking Mongus. Honk, honk. <laughs> yeah, you remember. <laughs> but shit, be, shit fucking went off when she yes. came back. And of course, you can get the Ch- Jeff the Talking Mongoose shirts for a limited time. And, yeah. uh, they're, they're going, they're hot. Yeah, lastpodcastmerch.com. I did it for the devilment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when she walked in the house, I mean, it's the fucking telltale knocks and raps, you know, sounds coming from everywhere. She'd sit down, uh, the fucking chair next to her would move across the room, and she had no real control over it. And eventually it got to the point where she couldn't hide it anymore. She had to say, like, yeah, it's me. It's freaking Beetlejuice. Yeah. But she said that she could control it to a certain degree. To convince her brother, she told him that she could make any object she chose fit too heavy to lift. So her brother chose a small chess table. Blavatsky asked him to lift it, which he easily did. Just heave ho, up down. She then concentrated her gaze on the object and asked him to try again. Okay, let me just get ready. You ready? (laughs) 
it's like the it's like the dude in uh, mall rats trying to do the jedi mind trick (laughs) well this time he couldn't get the table to budge even when a friend tried to help this is what they said and when she finally let go her hold on the object it shot up in the air with such force it almost dislocated her brother's arm cool Then she convinced her father of her occult powers by asking him to leave the room and write down a word, any word. And she would spell it out using knocks. One knock for A, two knocks for B, and so on and so forth. Hmm. The word was the name of her father's favorite horse during his first campaign against the Turks, Zitchik. Which is the most difficult word in the world. (laughs) Yeah, Zitchik, the horse, huh? Yeah, Zitchik. I think it's a bit of a nasty trick using a proper noun. It is. That would be fucking words with friends. You get fucking executed for something. (laughs) Yeah, that's not allowed. I don't think so. But even so, Blavatsky spelled it out, astonishing her father. But you know what? She knew her dad. (laughs) I don't know. I, I think the fact that it was a proper noun might have actually helped her out a little bit. Yeah, that maybe. Did, hmm. yeah, maybe she knew that he was just light. Like he's just always thinking about that horse. Loves that horse. <laughs> Good lord! One time that he's just like fucking. She's looking through the the trying to learn what sex was. You know, in Russia, you didn't get those little books that fucking tell you like what you're fucking in serfdom. Russia, you know, no one's going to tell you how the birds and the bees are. She's trying to discover from watching her parents. And when I was a little kid, she's just watching the door, just watching her father heave ho and her mother, and the whole time he's going. Zachik. <laughs> and she's like, oh, stop be saying, stop be saying a horse name. Zachik, I remember the Turks so lonely and cold. We were in the mountains fighting the Turks. Well, that's a better way to learn about sex than those chick tracks. Remember those? Those Christian... Oh, those things were amazing yet horrible at the same time. Oh, when, you, when your parents think that they're real. Did you actually get given those? Oh, I had those all the time. Are you serious? Man, yeah, I, I had a box of them. That's crazy. What are chick tracks? They're Christian comic book little thing. They could fit in a wallet. Yeah, they were these uh, little uh, booklets, these little comic books made by uh, this guy, Jack Chick. Uh, they were the whoa. ones that would, like, there was the most Very famous intense. chick track was the one that uh, said that if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you will end up in hell uh, because cool. you will have uh, inadvertently worshipped demons. To be fair, they all ended up in hell. Uh, the, the one on homosexuality, that's a doozy. Um, they, the guy didn't seem to like a lot. Yeah. It's just the scary choose your own adventure book yeah <laughs> a lot of fire but in a horror sense uh-huh. very entertaining very entertaining yes books. well predictably as more and more people tried to get blavatsky to perform parlor tricks the less she was able to do them and she claimed her inability to reproduce the phenomena on command came from a disgust born from the thirst of others this is what's difficult right I get it. You y'all want proof. Everybody wants proof. They want to see it up close. They want you to be able to do it on command. Right. The phenomena as a whole is purposefully tricky. It is it's at the very nature. It is a tricky and I want to say I'm close to deviant, very like the ironic a lot of times uh paranormal abilities. So the more you force it, the more it's not going to come. Much to the fucking frustration of every single person who's ever wanted to see a book, or a fucking ghost or a UFO yeah, but, or a cryptid. Yes, but this is like when you get detained by the cops. Let's say you accidentally took a piss in public because you happen to be accidentally hammered. <laughs> oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. You can't just turn it on like that. It's very I difficult. Tell you, a joke. you just caught me midstream and 
I'm trying to drink out here in my outside living room, officer. Absolutely. <laughs> God yeah. knows. Yeah, Henry. I mean, it's kind of like if someone keep people keep coming up to you and asking you to do voices for characters that you've done on the show, it's not going to be funny. If they do it on command. Pay me and I literally will do it in a fucking heartbeat. I'll do it right now. <laughs> All right, $1,000. Regardless, though, Blavatsky still earned a reputation as a magician, a seer, and a psychic, and could supposedly read people's thoughts by seeing them emerge from their heads as a spiral of luminous smoke that formed pictures and images that only she could see. It was the Russia in the 1800s. Everyone was just thinking about bread and how much they <laughs> wanted it. You're thinking about how you hate being a serf? <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yep, nothing to change about that. Get back to work, slave. <laughs> Henry Zabrowski, take a dump once again. No, no. Yes. Oh, God, Hellish God, rebuke. No. Hellish rebuke. Oh, my God. My balls went back up inside of my guts and coming on my ass. <laughs> well, I didn't intend to, for that to happen. <laughs> oh, no, God. I got butterfly butt. <laughs> oh. Now, when she went back. Bovatsky was worried that Nikifor, whom she was still married to, Jeez. would try to press the issue of living together as man and wife once again. She's got to be 65 years old at this point. <laughs> at least, I mean, he's got to be 60, right? Yeah, he's around. Well, at this point, this is about 10 years into 58? it. So, yeah, he's about he's in his mid-50s. He backed off. Oh, he just let it go. He just let it go. What is the name that Charlize Theron movie where she, for some reason, has sex with Patton Oswalt? Oh, oh my goodness! What? Jesus, I don't. I, I'm big fan. Is that the big fan one where he's the Giants fan? That's a good one. That's the one where he's like the crazy fan. It's, it's the one movie. where like she's like Charlie Theron's like an famous author that has to like live at home now because of all of her shit like fell apart. But Blavatsky HPB is like living that lifestyle right now where she was. What? She's been living the most interesting life. In the world, they have no one has any idea. She won't let them in on it. She's a fucking psychic who could move shit with her mind now, and now she's forced to live with her parents again. Yeah, what is her little is her village. husband? Just is her husband just really mean on Twitter? What is what's going? <laughs> I on? forget what happens. Well, she just wanted to pursue her occult studies, and she knew if she moved in with Nikifor, then she'd have to be a wife. Okay, I don't. That whole relationship is what I, I'm. You know, I let the, I, I hands to God it, <laughs> hands to God, whatever that is. Well, so to support herself, she did needlework and rafted logs for the production of a porous white substance that was used as an accelerant called spunk. <laughs> oh hell yeah, you gotta goddamn make that spunk. Yes, <laughs> spunk indeed. ain't gonna make itself. That's what I was saying. So you go out there and you get out that log area and you carve me up some spunk and then we all sit down, have some cider and spunk for dinner. <laughs> oh, spunk for dinner. Yay. Well, during this time, she also met another master, a man named Hilarion Smyrdas. And I'm going to tell you right now, if your name is Hilarion, you are probably not a funny person. No. <laughs> a devastating name. But Blavatsky was once again almost killed by a horse in 1864. You gotta stop with the horses. <laughs> gotta stop with the horses. Come on. It almost knocked, you knocked your pussy sideways, and then you got fucking permanent fucking heart, throat, snow every time. Get off the horses. Yeah, yeah, stop with the horses. Well, this time she was thrown on the shores of the Black Sea and fractured her spine Jeez. and went into a coma for a few months. 
You know what? I'm going to also dog me. I'm going to ask you to retract your statement saying that she was good at riding horses. I did not say she was. Well, she was good at kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say. Because once it gets to, you know, throw me once, you know, shame on you to the horse. Throw me twice. Shame on a horse again because you're going to beat the horse to try to chain the horse. Sure. Throw me thrice. Still horse's fault. Throw me four times. Uh-huh. <laughs> now we're getting to the point where the rider is the problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. However, when she awoke, she claimed to be in complete control of her powers. No more knocks around her, no more furniture moving around without her fucking by and by. Now she could do it all on her own. She's Drew Barrymore in Firestarter. Yeah. She's Carrie at the prom. I love it. This was the first time that she would, she says, entered into sort of like a middle mind period, like a trance state. She says that she kind of went to like where you'd call the Akashic Records are, or or like where the first map of the Kabbalah would be, like all of this, those kind of esoteric gray areas of the astral plane. She kind of got to go hang out there for a while. Yeah. Cool. After recovering, she left Russia once more and claimed in 1867 to have fought on the side of Garibaldi and the Italians against the French. Uh, this is the only story. I don't believe this one. I mean, this is one of the hardest ones to believe. Yeah. She said yeah. she was taken out of the action by a saber, which broke her left arm in two places, and she supposedly had musket balls embedded in her shoulder and leg until the day she died. And she did have some metal, and there was some... She could, like fucking point to this piece of metal and push it around a little bit but oh, all right. she could have gotten shot <laughs> for being like annoying one time like that possibly could have happened where she just got got maybe yeah but uh, yeah th- that one that one's a bit of a bridge too far it was after this though that Blavatsky claims she finally made it to Tibet <gasps> yay she did it By this point, she had come to believe that Tibet was the location of the secret school where the masters and her fellow initiates congregated. And if she wanted to reach the next level, this was where she would do it. It's like you got like it's like if you want to get in the sausage game, you got to move to Indiana. Hell yeah! You want to get in the show business, you got to move to Los Angeles. This is just how it is. You got to go where the stuff is. Sure, sure. Once she finally made, you got to go to Wisconsin for the sausage game, though. But. Uh, no, until you go to Chicago for the sausage game. Well, where do you go? Where, where do you go for Wisconsin? <laughs> you cheese. I know the cheese, but Indiana doesn't. Have, no, you go. You go there if you want to join the clan. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, Daddy, I want to join the clan when I grow up. We knew Son, he wasn't if you special. say that ever, if you say that ever again, I'm gonna have to beat you today. <laughs> Once she finally made it across the border, she claimed to have been taken to meet the main master, mm. a guy named Coot Humi. And mm-hmm. <laughs> now that's good. Coot Parks. Coot's a good name. Coot. Coot's a that's good name. name. Man, it's Coot. <laughs> and Coot Humi would be Blavatsky's number one guy for the rest of her career. At Kut Humi's monastery, Blavatsky learned an unknown language called Sinzar, which allowed her to translate something called the Book of Dizian, which was an ancient Tibetan text that unveiled the secret origins of mankind. Now, we don't know if any bit of that is real or true. The Book of Dizian, we don't even know if that's a real thing. But what we'll find out is that she used stanzas from the Book of Dizian 
for her writings, like Isis Unveiled and Secret Doctrine. Interesting enough is that the Book of Dizian seemed to parallel some actual ancient texts of Buddhist lore and Buddhist, Buddhist study. Maybe accidentally, or maybe she did get a hold of some actual old school Buddhist instruction manuals, essentially, spiritual instruction manuals. Right. That she just kind of cherry picked from and created her shit. Seems like a David Icke bibliography here, where you just, <laughs> a little you, bit. just you can just put a little asterisk by anything and then just be like, yeah, that was the book I got it from. <laughs> Blavatsky also learned how to control her psychic powers from Hakut Humi. Cool. Acquiring the ability to communicate through transference the ability to read minds, the ability to astrally project, and the ability to teleport objects. And that last skill, dozens of people later witnessed her do that. Hmm. Which she said that the masters could also command occult entities, elementals such as the salamander, the undine, the sylph, and the gnome, which are all ideas taken from a Renaissance alchemist named Philippus Aureolus Theophrastus Bombastus von Hohenheim. <laughs> How many times did you practice that in the mirror? I didn't. I didn't really? practice it. I didn't. Man, that's fucking freestyle, man. Whoa, freestyle, baby. Wow, freestyle alchemy. I actually, one day we'll cover alchemists, but mostly it's fighting through all of their names <laughs> because they all have very long magical names because it makes them seem more important. Yeah. yeah. The masters were also quite adept at the creation of tulpas, which we, of course, just explored at length on our episode about Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Honk, honk. <laughs> <laughs> promise that's the last. I promise that's the last time we're going to fucking mention Jeff. Oh, well, no, it's not. I hope not. Probably not. Well, in all, Blavatsky claimed to have spent seven years in Tibet training herself in the mystical arts. Yeah, her and Brad Pitt from that other movie about Tibet. Right? Uh, what was that? Uh, uh, the t- the oh, a walk in Tibet. Yeah, walk. Yeah, in, I think it was called. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. believe it was called roller coaster in Tibet. Yeah, I love that. They bought a zoo. I think they <laughs> yeah, bought a they zoo. They bought there. a zoo. Yeah, but of course, Blavatsky's critics say that she did absolutely none of the things we've been talking about for the last hour or so. Ah, uh, critics, yeah. come on. Or as the guy, as the guy who famously said, debunkers, and that they're debunkers are plentiful, but bunkers are not. Mm-hmm. This is the same person, he said that all critics work with hate in their heart. Which is a lot. <laughs> what? People are very, he's got very, very upset. He was very, very upset with critics. Yeah, well, I understand. Well, according to Marion Mead, after Blavatsky left Nikifor, she spent half her time fucking her way through the wealthier citizens of Europe and the other half failing as a business owner in Russia. Essentially, the first 10 years were just her yachting, as Henry said. Okay. And the second 10 yeah. years were just her piddling around Russia, fucking around. Cool. Uh, like know. trying to make businesses go, which is just technically also an interesting story for a lady at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, opened up an ink shop. This is at least what Mead said. Uh, she made and sold artificial flowers for a time, imported goods from a place called Mingrelia, mm. and she did all this while living with the opera singer that she, she supposedly had a son with, Metrovic. But as Lockman points out, it's ridiculous to assume that the famously asexual Madame Blavatsky spent years having sexual liaisons with various aristocrats. Well, it sounds like it might hurt a little bit. Yeah. It is interesting to note, though, that he also says it's somewhat ridiculous to assume that the famously portly, chain-smoking Blavatsky was able to traverse the mountains of Tibet. Unless she had total 
spiritual control over her movements and can do as many Buddhist monks are said to be able to do. If you watch that movie Crouching Tiger and Dragon, they do that thing where they jump up and they land on the on the branch and all the wire work and all that kind of shit. That's a, all of that is based on the concept that monks could do that type of shit. That they could control their bodies and they could fly and they could materialize and they could do all this kind of shit. I mean, obviously it's, it is far-fetched, mm-hmm. but the, the concept would be if she could, in a way control some nature of the physical reality around her it might help her with transportation as well and create some form of astral scooter what an <laughs> astral sort of rascal to get her through the uh, the all of the the very difficult terrain around i'm already lo- just looking at the wikipedia of of tibet and there's like it's all red and yellow around it which this says means mountains <laughs> well the problem with the crouching tiger hidden dragon theory though is that she was said to have learned all that at the monastery that's yeah. not had the to, problem but, with but it but no, no but it's she, all insane but, but she had to get to the monastery First, can she? Can we? She maybe she walked slowly. <laughs> she I, she only pop. had to do the hard go once, and she didn't have to do it twice. Yeah, and maybe she got better at it. She went and built up the muscles, right? It's, she also had attendance and shit. Yeah, she did. I mean, it's mostly the chain smoking that's a problem. But that wasn't it viewed as like a way to help athleticism back in the day because it made yes. your lungs work harder so your lungs actually got more muscles. And it was yes. a good point. <laughs> good point. <laughs> but regardless of what really happened between the time she abandoned Nikifor and the day she arrived back in Russia, we know for sure that Blavatsky once again almost died when a ship she was taking to Cairo suddenly exploded. Well, that this is... This definitely happened. You do not want to build a ship out of a bomb. <laughs> That's how you know you're safe, because you're inside the bomb. <laughs> On July 4th, 1871, gunpowder kept in the hold of the SS Eumonia, and the gunpowder was there in case they ran across pirates, because sometimes you run across pirates, sure. you got to defend yourself against the pirates. The gunpowder ignited. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They kept it right by the candle. <laughs> yep. Destroyed the ship, killing... 384 out of the 400 passengers aboard. Oh, damn. Yeah. But she fucking lived miraculously. Somehow she fucking was. And this is one of those which I think speaks a little bit to maybe her physical prowess where they found her fucking Kate Winslet style on top of a door in the ocean. Just fucking singed. But alive. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's real, huh? That's that did real. happen? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they found her floating amongst dismembered heads and limbs and torsos. I they... mean, this was a real fucking explosion. Damn. After surviving, Blavatsky made her way to Cairo, where she set up shop, bought a shitload of monkeys, and met a woman named Emma Cutting. With Cutting... Blavatsky founded one of the spirit societies so popular at the time, where they would use mediumistic techniques in the pursuit of the supernatural. Oh, if I had to choose one time so far, this would be the time. I love monkeys, and you get to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> it is cute, and they are they are a great audience for a short period of time. Yeah, well, absolutely. But it's really hard to keep a group of chimps 
attention span, especially with the slow world of the psychic medium, and because they don't <laughs> well, understand. That's true. I think we could do it. We could entertain them. <laughs> I think so. Her yeah. favorite monkey was named Coco. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a cute classic as hell. name. Yeah. Classic name. Jane Goodall had sex with those monkeys, though. She did. That, that was science. That Why was are it. both of you so big on this idea that Jane Goodall I had watched, sex with the chimps? I swear to God, she basically admitted it. <laughs> she I just swear, said she had sex well, it was with gorillas. Lo- it was gorillas, wasn't she it? She loved them. To the degree that she, it was sexual. She wanted to show Mama Orangutans that it's actually really nice to swallow because <laughs> it's romantic. That's, I, they, that's how it started. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I'm I don't know why the lesson started there. Yeah, I don't know why she even thought that that was an important lesson for a chimp, but I guess she did. And uh, they, You know, congrats to those husband chimps, though. Absolutely. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Regardless, though. The society failed utterly when the mediums, including Madame Blavatsky, were caught cheating when they, just like most spiritualists at the time, used cheap tricks to get their point across. But, you know, what does it matter? What does it matter? You're going there, you want to connect with your dead loved one. Just just lean in. You and I are, that's where I, uh, I'm close to that, where I straight up just believe, you know, in the end you are paying for a show, but they don't think that they're paying for a show. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, Blavatsky herself was caught using a long white glove stuffed with cotton attached to a piece of twine hung through the ceiling <laughs> that she pretended was the materialized hand of a spirit during seances. Uh, did Mickey Mouse die recently? Because it sounds like his hand. <laughs> Things got even more out of hand when Blavatsky briefly left. And in her absence, the rest of the mediums drank a little bit too much (laughs) and staged even more fake seances for the general public. If there is a reality show producer out there, Hammered Mediums needs (laughs) to be a show. This is us. We have to give us (laughs) the show. That's our show. I think at Kissel and I, we could be Hammered Mediums. I I can guess what your grandpa's thinking right now. And he's saying stuff like, and I'll say this, he's saying he's proud of you. He's also saying he's sorry for being a Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Blavatsky returned, one of the people who had attended the public seance tried shooting her and damn near killed her. Jeez. Although that may have been an exaggeration. He might have just gone and yelled at her a a bunch. He could have waved a gun around. Yeah. Yeah. She said that this Greek madman was possessed by a vile spook. Her estimation was that the mediums had not contacted the dearly departed, but rather, as Gary Luckman so wonderfully puts it, astral hobos (laughs) with nothing better to do than cause mischief. Oh, with any luck, we'll all be astral hobos one day. <laughs> Look up C.W. Ledbetter's The Astral Plane. He describes some of these astral hobos. These are the people. These are the hobs. These are the the gnomes. These yeah. are the ilves. These are the hildefic. These are the invisible people that all populate the astral plane. And this is a part where she starts to kind of understand that, like, maybe spiritual behavior is she's understanding some of the mechanics 
that yeah. you can regenerate this behavior again and again. But a partially it is to do stuff like this is to create astral day labor for these bored ass mischievous little things that sometimes poke through their fucking weird dodecahedron astral experience yep. to show up in our world and eat a bunch of bacon and try to fuck your wife like Jeff the Talking Monkey. I'm bringing it up again. <laughs> it's one of those things. It reminds me of doorbells and foot cushions, uh, bed knobs and broomsticks. <laughs> That is what Doorbells and foot cushions is going to uh, be your drunken version of this story where your lazy boy comes to life and it just helps you break into all the closed bars. I do wish that you guys could hear me at 2 a.m. in a bar because I, I obviously listen to uh, everything that's happened on this show. I obviously. Have to. Uh, but you should hear me regurgitate what the stories are that we talk about in my in 2 a.m. drunk Ben Kissel talk. Yeah, it gets, fucking... It's different, but, it's, it's, but I hit the main points. You hit it with your fucking kaleidoscope vision of like yeah and then the next thing you know there was a talking chicken and then Hitler's to blame for all of this <laughs> well Henry's making a good point about like the little hobnobs and goblins and gnomes and all the things that hang out on the astral plane Blavatsky said that most of these mediums were acting passively they were letting the phenomena control them but she was trying to be what she called an active doer where you control the phenomena. Oh, you're not going to have a good time doing that. No, you're going to have a great time doing well, that. Well, it's tough to do. Doing <laughs> it is tough to do. You got to have discipline. Yes. You have to try to go to fuck Tibet three times. You got to read a lot. You have to read a lot. And you have to be willing to look like an asshole. Yeah. Wait, did you say that the astral plane book that you've been talking about so much is by Ledbetter? Yeah. Isn't he the guy? He wasn't around to be around little boys. What? Yeah, what he liked happened? little boys. Yeah. I don't think he liked them that much if he had sex him. with them. That's the thing everyone's like, oh, <laughs> they, they liked little boys. It's like, no, I like, I like, well, that sounds like a weird <laughs> sentence. To like little boys is to not have sex with them. I don't like little boys. I don't need to hang out with them. You know what I mean? That's not my thing. But what you do is I can see sort of the distancing. If you cross your eyes a little bit and drink a bunch of tequila and you're a pedophile, if you start calling them gnomes... You're not fucking kids. Well, but <laughs> you are. But you are. But you are. Yes, no, indeed. But, okay. <laughs> depends on whose glasses you're wearing. Well, Welcome my little that. pedophile's moccasins and see how you feel then, huh? I don't right? particularly care to. <laughs> With the glove trick, it's actually possible that Blavatsky was trying to make a point about these mediums and seances. See, Blavatsky did believe that these mediums were contacting something but she knew that they were not contacting the dead. Okay. Because that's what seances were supposed to be. You know, we're going to contact your dead wife, your dead grandma, your dead brother, and we're going to ask him questions. Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? <laughs> you just, uh, can you contact my wife and tell her she's a bitch for me? <laughs> you try to make a fucking a connection with your lost loved one. Right. But also, they throw a little bit of a show in there. Mm -hmm. And they do a thing where they show how they can control all of these ghosts and it becomes a real production. It became a very... Massive entertainment fucking thrust, and especially in America, but all over the world. People love to go see these ghosts do tricks. Yeah, I mean, you don't judge plays. You don't judge the theaters if it's not real. Well, I mean, that's people say that this is, you know, that's the whole, like, crossing over guy. You know, remember yeah. him? Yes. Yeah, I mean. They, and I'm conflicted on him because yeah. some people really, some people he, I guess he helped. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, a, yeah, the, the whole talking with the dead thing is, a, it's a contentious subject to say the least. It is. And if you want to have fun, John Edwards bloopers on YouTube are so <laughs> freaking funny. Yes. Yes, that's right. Because it's just him just being like, your mom, her name was Bethany, right? 
No, no, no. Uh, my mom's name is Laura. She's Laura. Still alive. Her yeah. name was Laura. Right. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. And yeah. she was a carpenter teacher. Teach car. Yeah, teacher. <laughs> yeah. Car- teachers are carpenters of children's minds. <laughs> but again, she's still alive. Oh, shit. Is this her? Yeah. Oh, I thought this was your sister. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We still like him. We still like him. Well, Bovatsky was saying that these people were in communion with something different altogether. She just didn't know what it was. Not exactly. But not knowing exactly what it was, that didn't grab too much attention. Right. Talking to the dead. Now that grabs attention. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you put a little stagecraft into it. But... As it always goes, as it always goes with the fucking paranormal, it always backfires. You are always found out. Always. I'm talking to all you fucking paranormal people out there, the people working in the paranormal. When you juice the story, it ruins the whole fucking thing. We all know the way you do it is, yes, it is not as flashy, but look at Hellier and that documentary saw the house in between where they watched the house for 10 years and they're all super excited about footage of a broom moving. And I know that to a lot of people... That is very, very boring. But that's a ghost too. You gotta yeah. like live in a fucking house. You gotta live in there. You gotta be a part of that house's community. The house, the ghosts, the entities, they gotta know you're a good guy. Right. They can be trusted before they're gonna start doing shit for you. But there's there's never gonna be a wow moment in the paranormal. You know? Like there there's never gonna be a Ghostbusters moment. The fucking Stay Puff Marshmallow Man is never gonna show up and fucking lay waste to New York City. Like it's not it, the paranormal is a, st- a cumulative study. Yeah, yeah. One you little wait, thing. You on wait until I thing. cover myself in marshmallow fluff. And then we'll see if there's a marshmallow man around. <laughs> be like cream daddy. Uh, what an incredible What an incredible cosplay they decided to make them Marshmallow Man anatomically correct? <laughs> oh, no. The Marshmallow Man seems to really taken a liking to that mailbox. <laughs> well, because the whole thing backfired, the society only lasted two weeks. Uh, before, two weeks? Yeah, that, yeah, Blavatsky had to shut the... Well, when the great guy came waving the gun around, that's she's like, okay, I, I need to get the fuck out of here. Jeez, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she didn't leave Cairo before meeting another master named Serapis Bay. Hmm. From there, she traveled further into the Middle East where she met a woman named Lydia Pashkov. Pashkov was famous for being the first woman to make a living doing travel literature. And she claimed that she witnessed Blavatsky raise a spirit from the desert. Pashkov recalled that one night she and Blavatsky were camped around a decrepit old monument when HPB drew a circle around herself and began uttering spells. Now this is straight out of a fucking RPG. Yeah. Suddenly, Blavatsky pointed her wand at the monument and a great ball of light flashed, which appeared to be the spirit of the person to whom the monument was dedicated. And he told them that the monument was the altar to an ancient temple of a forgotten god. It's fucking sweet. Hell yeah, man. Blavatsky then commanded the spirit to show them the monument in its full glory, and Pashkov swore that they were shown a colossal structure as it originally appeared in a magnificent city before it all vanished just as fast as it appeared. 
no na na no na no na na the little fucking it all building from all these like little circles and yeah. shit and these little sparks and stuff and it creates this whole beautiful crazy massive impenetrable monolith and they're just both like yeah that's the fucking that's the shit that's cool <laughs> right there man there's a lot of hashish involved yeah. Honestly, I will say there's a lot of hashish Good. in well, a lot of this. Well, there it, there's debate as to how much hashish was involved. There's some hashish. Fucking roll it up, dude. The, well, this is back when you ate hashish. You can still do that. You can still do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, this was the balls, like the big fucking like big old. sticky shit. Ooh. Sticky, icky, fucking nicky, dude. Get them <laughs> fucking hashed lumps up in them fucking guts dude <laughs> all right we're almost done then you can get back to your lovely weed that you have named <laughs> well after that blavatsky returned to russia where she received a letter containing a stack of cash that was said to come from one of her masters and she followed his instructions to seek her future in new york city Woo! 20 years after beginning her journey this was where helena truly became madame blavatsky one of the most famous people of her time. And it's where we'll pick back up for part two of our series. New York. All right. New York. We're going to get through this fucking next week. I believe we're going to wrap it up in two. And next week, the goal is just to start to really go into the belief systems of HPB. Talk about the secret doctrine and and talk about how we got to hear an occult thought from her. And also all the other characters that were involved, like Henry Steele Alcott, uh, who is a fascinating, fascinating man, uh, and uh, various other people that come in and out of uh, Blavatsky's life, and how, pretty much how, uh, again, how a religion is created, but this time how uh, an occult religion is created. All right, Madam Blavatsky, part one. Read that fucking secret doctrine, man. Fucking astral project yourself out into the fucking universe and start seeing some people go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Again, we got some new merch out there. Thanks for everyone who's bought the Talking Mongoose Honk Honk <laughs> Jeff shirt. Uh, those are flying off the shelves. They are. Get them while they're hot. Get them while you can. Please yep. do. And um, it, it, uh, it expires June 4th. Yes. That's when they will be done. And it's on lastpodcastmerch.com. Go check that out. And again, 6.66% of everything that we are get every single thing that we sell, with, uh, we are giving that portion to one fair wage. Speaking of 666, that is the price, $6.66. For our live show, go to lastpodcastlive.com. Watch us in our meat space on stage in NOLA. That was last year's live show. It's a hoot. Uh, please enjoy that and uh, keep on supporting all the shows here on LPN. You know what you should do is that you right now, if you're listening to this in the middle of the day, set a timer on your phone for about the time you smoke your first bowl. That When that fucking bowl gets sparked up every evening at 7 p.m., set the timer for 7 p.m. and you'll remember to go watch last podcast on the left live. Absolutely. Be stoned, have a couple of drinks, have a nice time. Um, And yes, again, keep on supporting all the shows here on LPN, uh, peruse, and I think you'll find something, uh, or perhaps you'll just love everything Mm -hmm. uh, that you love. So I uh, fucking hope that you do, and you don't. No reason to be upset, Henry. That's the opposite emotion. (laughs) That's the opposite. Um, And of course, thanks for giving to our Patreon, everyone. Of Uh, course. All right, and and in the book, we have so much merch now. Uh, Yeah, we got a lot lot of shit going on. Uh, Four weeks, New York Times bestseller, uh, uh, just unbelievable. So uh, thank you all so much for buying that. And thanks for sharing it on social media, like all of that stuff. Again, we're 
we're all word of mouth DIY. So thank you so much. Super cool. And don't forget to go check out all the other shows on the Last Podcast Network. Don't forget about Kind of Fun, Ben's Wrestling Podcast, yeah. uh, A Blanket's Top Hat, Page 7, yeah. uh, and uh, No Dogs in Space. We just finished our series on the Ramones. It's all it's all out and done. Four parts. Go check it out. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And guys, just remember Apocalypse Radio. We're coming to you. Fucking entire time. It's in here, man. It's fun to do it. It kind of feels like every once in a while when he's talking, about it, it feels like fucking a video game where you're like, we're like background character, like radio in a way. Yeah, we're like the the people in Grand Theft Auto Five that you listen to in the radio when you turn the channel. No, it's Fallout. Yeah. It's Fallout Three. There, there's a whole character in a post-apocalyptic video game in which it is a radio station. Uh, in the apocalypse, it's like that. that well, one there's the one central. in there's one in Days Gone too. Do you guys want to do this all night? There's, <laughs> there's another a lot of three dog. Oh, <laughs> all right, everyone. Hail, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gee. Magustalations, everyone. Hey man, hail me. I could I could use it these days. My knees are feeling weary, my friend. Henry, take a dump. Oh, yay! <laughs> my penis, my penis is following my balls. Oh, it keeps on getting worse for you. <laughs> For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.